Ready, Dave? Do, 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 do. Hey, hey, everybody. This is Don't Let's Start, a podcast about They Might Be Giants. I am Jordan Cooper. I'm Dave Fox. And we're going to get right into Apollo 18 Part 3. This is a podcast where we discuss the albums of They Might Be Giants, and it takes us several episodes <laughs> it sure to, is, to discuss the albums. And You're right on the money there. Yeah. And speaking of right on the money... What's next song? <laughs> <laughs> the next song is Right on the Money, my favorite Flansy song. No, it's The uh, Guitar. The Guitar. Crazy kick. That's one of the first things I think of with this song. The kick really? drum's nuts. You ever, kick? you ever just zero in on it? No, not on this it's one. It's really like a, I don't even know funky is the word. It's like beyond funky. It's like, wow. it's like, because you think in your head, it's like, but it's not. It's like, it's like having like a, it's like having a breakdown or something. Yeah, there's a lot of crazy kick action. Well, it is a funky song. It's a funky song. There's almost too much to talk about with it. It's a big one, right? Yeah. What? what it's a big single. What do you think of the guitar? Is it a big I, single? Uh, was it a big single? I think it's a beloved single, but I don't know if it was a. It had a video. <laughs> had a video. They did it on Leno. If you have a video, does that make it a single? Um. Yeah, I think so. But I've, I've done videos go. for my songs, and <laughs> they certainly weren't singles. <laughs> it's neither here nor there. So uh, what do you, what do you do think you, of the song? Me? I, <laughs> I've always... Cut you to it. Okay. I've always... I'll, I'll start with just the opinions, ma'am. That's the opposite of just the facts, ma'am. Uh, I've always loved this song. I've always thought that it was um, unusually cool for They Might Be Giants. I hear you. Yeah. In that I think, I remember in junior high and high school, I was like, I a think dance I, hit. Yeah, I was like, I think I could play this for my, for my high school acquaintances. I don't say friends because they definitely weren't my friends. But mm. I was like, I think I can play this for the other students here and not be judged <laughs> for being into this dorky band the way all the other songs, for example, the next one or, or the one before, right. <laughs> were kind of in the sandwich of weird dorky stuff. Mm. Um I'm like, I think I think the guitar is cool enough. I think Flansburg's vocals, how else to put this? They don't have that nasal, mm -hmm. uh, there's something uh, disassociated with them. They almost don't sound like Flansburg to me. More mainstream? Yeah, there's just like a, there's like, the, he just sounds like a guy at a party going like, hey, you know, right. like, yeah, right off the bat, there's something very um, fun and cool and party-ish about the song. Yeah. And I also think it's it might be one of the best mixes on the album. Cause Interesting. it's, you know, it, it almost sounds like a real band jamming, but at the same time, it also has these cool, elaborate percussion and little, little yeah. things like the kick drum thing. 
uh, which actually there's like a, a separate kick drum later that I want to talk about. Got Just lot, the kick drum. Got a lot of notes about the kick drum. Part 17. I think we should do a spinoff podcast where we only talk about the kick drum and everything. It's song. very important. It is. It is actually. I noticed that the bass sounds a lot more uh, warm and lifelike in this one. Yeah. Speaking of the mix. Yeah. Actually, something I thought we could do sooner off the bat is we could uh, cut to Ed because uh, I think sure. it's a good intro to the song in a way. Um, so I agree. Joining us, yeah, we can take a load off for two minutes. <laughs> um, joining us in this episode again uh, is Ed Edward Douglas. Uh, <laughs> Edward's his middle name. Ed Edward. Um, he was the second engineer on Apollo 18. You heard him. And in if the, you don't know, now you know. And if you don't know that, I don't know. Jack. I don't know what you know. Uh, in the last two episodes, he he had some info about the songs. He got he has some crazy info about some of the songs in this one that I'm really excited about. Yeah. But let's hear what he has to say about the guitar, and then let's build off of that. Let's talk about the guitar, which is a very, very uh, in my opinion, unusual track for They Might Be Giants. Very freeform. It has a feel good. It has like a summer feel good quality it's the to hit it. Of the summer. Yeah. Uh, so, what do you remember about this one? Because this one's really, really interesting. Yeah, I think this one also goes back to the big band. And it's interesting because I wrote down, it was kind of reminded me of Ricky Ricardo, which was the <laughs> on I Love Lucy. If you've seen I Love Lucy, he was a band leader. And right. he, he would, you know, he would totally do a song like this. It's like a very, you know, lively, poppy type song. And, and this is one of the few songs that has a live bass on it. This, this bass. Um, uh, Flansburg actually played live. Flansburg he, played he, he it. Might oh, have, wow. he, yeah, he might have had a sequence for it, but it, he, he definitely played it live. Mm-hmm. Guitar obviously was live. Uh, horns, overdubs. Then uh, let's see this backward stuff. Where was the backward stuff? Oh, oh, the lead up to the thing that was done. It, it's interesting because because you, you can't really do backward stuff on on digital tape. So, because on on analog tape, you you literally just flip it over and record reverb on another track, and it would do that. So they must have done that in the mix, that all the backwards effect Mm. type Mm. stuff. They must have done that, you know, after the fact. Pretty straight ahead, a trumpet player came in. Linnell played Barry, and then Mm. again, this is is one of those cases that I think it's only the second one on a song we've discussed, but when Laura came in to do a vocal parts, it was another one of those, yay, we have someone new in the studio. It's a very lively song to record. Um, I, I, I love how it was mixed. You could kind of tell what was, like the, the drums were obviously all sequenced. There were some things like that, the horse race announcer and the bridge section, which is all weird. Yeah. That was all came, that all came from the samples as well. It was pretty straightforward, but I, it was definitely one of the, you know, it was definitely a song that everyone liked and was, was excited about. They've said the original version was over five minutes long. Do you remember what, filled out those five minutes? Was it just repetition or were there sequences that were cut out? I mean, I think it was literally just the same. Yeah. It probably just went on longer. Mm-hmm. And I think like the, the, how it ends, like, do, 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 yeah. stops. I think they might have cut it lo- shorter. Like they might have like went through, like run the mix and it probably had that outro was probably like a minute minute longer or two minutes longer. Mm. It could have been longer, but it, was, it wasn't because it was different. There was other stuff going on. They probably just like kept that outro going on and well, on. Well, because that riff is so pleasant to listen to. Yeah. Like, I, it really sure. is a song where I could just, like, listen, kind of listen to that over and over because it's just so, there's just something really, yeah. like, nice about it. Thank you to Ed for that. There's going to be more Ed later. It's going to be an Ed Aganza. And then next episode, we're going to have Ed Aganza on <laughs> to tell us his thoughts about Apollo 18. 
so there's a lot to discuss with with some of the stuff Ed said. Um, so, Ed said. So, <laughs> so that should be the name of the segment, actually. Uh, Flansburg is playing bass, Dave, yeah. and and it's he's good. He's a good bassist. What do you? Dave's a bassist. What do you? How do I you am. rate it? One to five. I like that. I actually have in my notes here that I used to like play that bass line all the time. Oh really? Yeah, just for fun. That and the one for a uh, spy. Oh yeah, yeah, those are great. Yeah. I, see, I would imagine even well, I guess we can get to this when we do John Henry, but I would imagine Flansburg like wrote that part for Spy yeah. too, right? And told him what to do. Seems you know? like it. Tony Maymomi. Yeah. That's funny that you used to practice it because I'll I'll just get I'll just cut to this now, Dave. Oh but boy. When I was a little baby, I made I made this in when I was learning how to do multi-track recordings for the first time. This is really old. I think this is from '99. So I was. 16 or 15. Alrighty. So I made this. It's not bad. Main, not bad at all. Yeah, besides the broken rhythm, um, I mainly remember yeah, it was completely that completely out of time. It took but me, <laughs> I'm kidding. It took me a really long time to do that fade in on the trumpet. The, yeah. I was like, how the hell did they do that? Because like, it, it was like really, really hard. Because I, I didn't do that with MIDI. I did that with a keyboard with a little mic next to the keyboard. Wow. That's why it sounds so shitty. But I kind of like how it sounds too, though. I think it's charming. So yeah, it's a great bass line. It's, it's great to hear them play a real bass. It makes me wonder why not do that on other songs too. Why not? Dip a toe. Yeah, and it's funny because Ed kind of confirmed to us that he's just like, yeah, all the bass except on this one was sequenced. And I really did think there was more real bass on this album, mm -hmm. like before we talked to Ed. I thought that because like even stuff like on Narrow Your Eyes and stuff we'll talk about soon, it's like, I was like, yeah, the bass sounds really warm yeah. and real. And That's funny. Also, the opposite effect happens because when you are a fan of They Might Be Giants and all the bass is fake, you're just like, oh, this one's fake too. Yeah, <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> you're just like, no, wait. Yeah, and even the percussion in this song, that snare sounds amazing. That I was just listening when we yeah. were listening to it just now. I was like, "Oh, that snare is like huge. It's awesome sounding." I was going to ask you about those stick hits. Stick hits. What are those? Yeah, stick hits. To to me, it just sounds like two sticks uh, playing a rhythm on the side of the snare. It might be that. I always just think of the My music ear. video that it's them going running along a fence. Yeah. Well, I don't think <laughs> maybe it's they that. did that. <laughs> How'd they get rid of all the traffic noise and stuff? <laughs> yeah, it's it's an amazing production. I mean, there's a lot. I think as we go through the song, we'll point out a few more cool things in it. There's a lot of atmosphere. Okay, so one of the things we could get clear right off the bat is the Jim e equation. Who's Jim? Do you know who Jim is? No. Jim is J. Otto Siebold, who did the Istanbul music video. Right. And the reason we know that is because of the audio commentary on the their music videos, uh, which I re-listened to recently. And let's play a clip from it. Um, and I wouldn't normally do this, but this is totally, I checked, this is totally out of print. Like you cannot buy this anywhere. Oh, really? <laughs> so if it wasn't out of print, I wouldn't play the, the DVD commentary because I'd say, go buy it. But right. in any case, this is only like five seconds. So check out what Flansburg says about... The gym, and I'm, I'm kind of shocked that he even revealed this because it's gotcha. such a mysterious thing. So there's Jim Seabold playing the drums. Um, the song actually was written uh, during a jam session with Jim playing the drums, inspired by uh, the circumstance of playing um, with Jim. Oh, mystery solved. Mystery fucking let's. Yeah. All right, next song. Jeez. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's interesting, but the, the thing is... I guess I should have listened to that. Well, but we can also talk about this. I mean, just because the the inspiration for the the name Jim yeah. it came from a jam session, it doesn't mean that is Jim. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's open-ended. It's not like there's another line being like, mm-hmm. what? who I mean is J. Otto Siebel. Could be Jim Henson. Yeah, well, I know a lot of fans were like, is it Jimi Hendrix? Because he played guitar. And it's like, yeah. But I mean, I could see Flansburg That's being... That's true. I've heard that. <laughs> yeah. I could see Flansburg being like, you know, subconsciously or consciously in his head being like, oh, this is a perfect lyric because people can really think whatever they want. Like, that's part of the point of a of a very vague lyric. Like, is it Jim? You know, it's not like he's it's not like people will know who he is or even that people will assume it's someone he knows. Right. Kind of reminds me of uh, John. I've been bad and the mystery around. Yeah, that. it does remind me of that. How many Johns out there, you know? And it's funny because Although we solved that mystery, too. Yeah. <laughs> We did. Uh, go listen to our flood Mystery episodes. Solved. We basically solved fl- flood explained. It's funny because Jim, a different Jim, plays drums on She's Actual Size. Right. But this was a jam session that they had with Jim Seabold, and we can actually Flansburg talks a little bit more about the jam session in this interview. Let's listen to that. Are you guys as lost as me? <laughs> Let's keep going. On the new album, there's this song called "The Guitar." Right. That uh, mm-hmm. incorporates uh, the lion sleeps tonight on it. Right. How did that come about? Who's idea? It's actually um, the only song we've ever done that was generated out of a jam session. I think I don't. We we rarely jam, so there are very few things that get generated from our jam sessions. But we were um, uh, just doing songs that we knew how to play and and songs we didn't know how to play. And that, you know, the lion sleeps tonight is like a three chord song, so it was kind of easy. And uh, I had this other song that had like a whole kind of funky, you know, rhythm section to it. And I didn't really know how to finish it. So I kind of lashed. I mean, it sounds really like, the, it's like a real Frankenstein of a song because it's got, you know, sort of the, the the groove part and then the line sleeps tonight part kind of contrasting one another back and forth. And that's really what it was. It was like two things that got lashed together. It, it's a great fun recording though. I mean, it really works. Yeah, it's, 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 it's actually danceable, which is very just- unusual for us. Yeah, so I was. It's funny because I was wondering, like, when I first heard that it came from a jam session, I was like, "How? Yeah. It's just John and John and a drum machine, yeah, <laughs> usually." Yeah. But the, I guess uh, it's funny because Bill Krause. I mean, even he told us that like he they did jam sessions and rehearsals where he played bass for them, you know, in the very very early days. So I wonder if they had a jam session with a drummer with, you know, if they were just having fun or were they like, should we? Fun. Music can be fun, Dave. What? I'm always telling you this. No. You know, were they like, maybe this will be the band? Maybe we'll do some yeah. shows or maybe, or is it just, maybe they're like, oh, I want to try a different way of writing a song, yeah. you know, for them especially. And I, I think it's interesting that the chords were for some other song that he had. I wonder if there were lyrics or a, a, any other ideas there. Yeah, man. I don't what would know. those lyrics be, Dave? You know. I, what? I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm just waking up. Leave me alone. <laughs> It's weird doing this during the day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah like we, we, never, got an, we got an early start today. <laughs> never the break of light in this room. You know, it's funny because I had to wake up early today to, to get a COVID test oh, heaven for, forbid. for my job. And um, I'm always in, I always hate being forced to wake up early, but I'm always in a way better mood on the days that I do. Well, that makes one of us. What do you think of that? What does that mean? I, I think that's what your body is naturally supposed to do. I think it means that I'm Probably. a morning person, but that I don't want to believe I'm a morning person. I think everyone's supposed to be a morning person. Yes. But that's another topic. <laughs> that's another, that's for another, another day altogether. Album. Circadian rhythm. Oh, wait, Dave, I wanted, so ah. I, jumping off that, I yeah. wanted to talk 
to you about jam. Well, what if I don't want to talk to you? I want to talk to you about jam sessions for Jams. A, a brief moment because this involves you. Yeah. That's the I know that's the only way to get Dave's attention. Bring it back to Dave. What about me? Do you like universe revolves around? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's some fans. Some, maybe there's some listeners who of like, me. <laughs> some fans of Dave might be wondering like. Well, just because it's a jam session, like, why is he saying, like, who's playing the guitar? Is it Jim? Like, what's what's that about? Why would you say that in a jam? Blah, blah, blah. And me and you have had jam sessions for fun. And what happens in a jam session is you just sort of say stuff. Yeah, use a different part of your brain. Yeah, it's very sure. instinctual. And I actually have some clips. Me, Dave, and Daniel, our friend, did a, did a jam session. This does not please me. <laughs> did a jam session last year. Mm. And I, I've had these recordings for a while, and I've been wanting to play them for them a while. So this is a good example of just like a jam session where you just say stuff. Here's This one is called My Barbecue. Come on over to my Dave should have a video of YouTube channel where he just reacts to himself because Dave, <laughs> the faces he makes when you play Dave a clip of himself is very funny. Uh, um, here's another, here's, oh God, here's another stop. example. No, this is just what my point is. <laughs> what I do? <laughs> I'm just trying to bring the point that when you jam, you kind of, you kind of come up with, um, my point is when you jam, like Dave said, you use a different part of your brain. And I, I think this, ex the I think part that no one should see. My point is, I think, <laughs> I think this explains the unexplainable nature of the guitar and the lyrics and the guitar, not to say there's nothing behind it, mm -hmm. but I, I think this explains why it's almost even more free form than your typical, they might be giant. Song. It's close like to plot. Christmas cards. That was a yeah, jam Christmas, too. That's a, that's that's a great that point. something that would never come out normally, probably. Exactly, Christmas cards. So here's here's one here's one featuring me. <laughs> They're the me. same song, basically. <laughs> that's true. Someone should do a mashup. Here's one featuring me, uh, and actually Dave's there too, but this, this song is called Bread Jam. <laughs> Yeah, so it was me on guitar, friend Dan on drums, Dave on, on lead. Me, me on the giving up. You can tell I'm on guitar because when I say bread jam, I stop playing because it's too hard to play and say weird stuff at the same time. Well, I'm pretty sure I just wanted to eat lunch. <laughs> yes, that's all. All of your best lyrics are inspired yeah, by I'm that. I'm very food driven. Yeah, you're kind of like the weird owl. Dog. <laughs> Um, okay, let's let's keep going then. I'm really thrown off, man. <laughs> Caught me with my pants down. So yeah, the other thing to discuss is, and probably because this came out of a jam, is that the original version was five minutes long, which Ed kind of talked about. Right. He he just he didn't. Rem I found it interesting. He didn't remember any crazy different part. You know, he thinks it was just from being repetitive. What's the uh, longest song you've written? 
Well, the guitar is actually three minutes and 40-something seconds long, and the original version was five minutes long or something. That's the, the whole clip. Wow, shortest clip. Shortest clip we've ever used, um, I guess, the, until fingertips happens. I, it's interesting that it's five minutes. I'd love if they put that out as a just as an interesting... Sometimes they put out early mixes of stuff. Uh, that'd be cool, guys. Dance mix. Yeah, it should be out of all the songs. Well, we, actually, there are dance mixes of the guitar, which we'll get to. Another dance mix. Just do an album of dance mixes. Bread jams. Bread <laughs> Okay, there's so much to, more to talk about with the guitar. Let's get to the so next much. section, which features Laura Cantrell yes. and singing The Lion Sleeps Tonight. And there's is a lot to, to, to discuss now, here. Now, The Lion Sleeps Tonight is another song. Okay, so this is the interesting... There you go, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if this was Dave's podcast alone, it would be a lot shorter. It'd be called Cut to the Chase. <laughs> I just wanted to very uh, quickly go into the history of The Lion Sleeps Tonight because it's it's almost a meta thing because The Lion mm-hmm. Sleeps Tonight in itself is like a reference to an earlier... It keeps like... Mm-hmm. It's had a weird evolution over the decades into like what we know as The Lion Sleeps Tonight. Yeah. And it's a bit contentious too. So Lion Sleeps Tonight was originally a song by Salman Linda, who was uh, a South African man. And... He was he was like a, a janitor at a recording studio. Huh. And he, he but he had like a, a vocal group with his buddies. Okay. And this was in like in nineteen thirty-nine. It's kind of crazy. So it was this South African song, and I'll play a clip of it. It's really interesting. Cause so this is the and they put out a single, like they cut a vinyl mm-hmm. at this recording studio that he worked at. And by the way, if I'm getting any of this wrong, I apologize. This is like a very <laughs> complicated song with like millions of Wikipedia entries for it and stuff. This is the first version of The Lion Sleeps Tonight, just so you know. That we know of. Yeah, and like I said, it's it's ironic that the guitar then references the other song because it's like the song has been like passed down like a game of telephone. Right. Okay, so here's so it the... it doesn't f- bear much resemblance probably to the original. Not a ton, but this is it. <laughs> I like this better though than what it became. So I, I'm gonna pause it there. Um, so you, obviously you can see the bare bones right. of the song, but there's I like that. there's something. Yeah, I like it too. It has I a like great it better than feel. what I've heard um, of it. It's it's an interesting thing to to talk about. But, but what I find really interesting is at the very tail end of the song. Mm-hmm. He improvises what becomes the hook oh, in la- in the later versions, and this is kind of the source of the. There's a lot of monetary disputes oh, no. and who stole what and the rights of the song and how they didn't get credit for many for many years. But let's just go to the very end because I find this really interesting. Because it was like an improv. <laughs> Mm-hmm. 
So that's like the main melody. Yeah, he improvises the in the jungle melody. The na, 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 yeah. na, na, na. I, I mean, I implore everyone to just like check out the Wikipedia for this because there's a lot yeah. of interesting quotes gotcha. from people involved. Um, so then the famous version is still not yet to come. There was another version. All right. That was 1939. And then in 1952, a band called the Weavers they mm-hmm. like so, I think their manager or someone found this recording and was like, "Hey, I imagine a big like in a mummy's <laughs> tomb or something." Yeah. And I imagine like you know, a guy with like a big blue cigar going like, mm-hmm. "Hey, you got to do this song. Uh, it's it's gotcha. free." So that's the next version. And you hear like a banjo in there or something. Yeah, so that was a folk group called the Weavers. Hmm. And um, they did a fairly faithful version. It's just a little tighter. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a little more polished. Um, I I don't think they had bad intent. But <laughs> what, what this seems to have led to is the original people who wrote it kind of not getting any compensation and stuff. And then the, the group that popularized the song and then actually put lyrics to it, The Lion Sleeps Tonight and In the Jungle and stuff, that's the tokens. And we'll listen to, to the version everyone knows. And I'm basically the version that Flansburg is, is, yeah. is riffing off of. So they did, I mean, that to me, that's like very Beach Boys sounding and, and they, mm. they definitely, well, Dave, what are you're making like no, a I frowny just, face? It's, it seems a little bit, now that I know the origins of the song, it mm-hmm. seems a little watered down from what I first heard. Yes. They, uh, you, you said off mic, they, they kind of Disney-fied it, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. yeah, it's true. Um, I don't think it's without its, I, you know, like, I, look, I'm not just going to like sh- slam it because whatever, um, it's obviously like a charming song, but, but it is, I know that the, the toke, the people from the tokens, it's, I sort I think they sort of put the blame in terms of the original group, not getting compensation. Mm-hmm. They're like, we had no idea. Like we just liked it and right. covered it. Um, a likely they story. sort of blame the managers and the people behind the scenes, which I can totally, uh, imagine. Basically the story is that, um, South African copyrights weren't valid because South Africa was not a signatory to U.S. copyright law. Mm. It was different. So that's like kind of underhanded. And <laughs> they uh, they sent the original songwriter one thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, one thousand dollars only. No, that's, as a compensation. That was a lot of money back then, though. Um, but then in July 2004, so this went on for decades. This battle, year. <laughs> especially after the Lion King, that really ramped things right. up. Um, sure. Uh, so it says in July 2004, 
uh, there was a documentary made and that brought a lot of publicity, kind of like the Bill Finger documentary I, yeah. I watched recently. So they wanted millions in royalties and they mm-hmm. reached they reached some sort of agreement. I don't know if it's public what the agreement mm-hmm. is, but for a while they got an, they got annual money and stuff. And now the original South African one is in the public domain. But the Lion Sleeps Tonight, so old. Yeah, yeah. But the Lion Sleeps Tonight isn't. So it's really interesting, right? Mm. And I think this is all interesting because of the they might be giants were forced by the the copyright holders to mm. put the Lion Sleeps Tonight in the title. So the reason is so the actual name of the song is the guitar and in parentheses yeah. the Lion Sleeps Tonight, and so that that, they, that wasn't their idea. What interests me, and this happens with Nightcall Driver, is when right. they're they're forced to change the title of a song because of like legal issues. It's really interesting. Why don't they just change like the lion to another animal then? I mean, it's in a spaceship already. I guess it's, <laughs> <laughs> well, because well, I don't know. Do you think it would have been as effective? I, I mean, I guess it could have been. I mean, they certainly everyone reference, knows what the reference. They is. reference lyrics and change things all the time. Yeah. Um, the dolphin sleeps tonight. I don't know. The dolphins. two syllables. I'm just saying, if you were well, it's the melody too, though, and and all that, you know. Yeah, but you can. I feel like you could squirrel around it. A squirrel. A squirrel sleeps tonight. So yeah, so so that's a complicated history with that song. I don't know all the details, or I did, but I read it. Uh, <laughs> then you forgot. I read it two months ago when I was preparing these. I forgot it. But this also brings us to Laura Cantrell. Yes. And this is one of my favorite things in the song. Sure. I love Laura Cantrell's voice in this song. I, well, it kind of makes the song. It makes the song. I love her voice. It's a highlight in general. Yes. And great voice. And this is a huge surprise, everyone. But me and Dave interviewed Laura Cantrell. There you go. And we spoke to her about this song, and we're going to play you a clip of that right now. Boom. So I met Flans first, and um, with my friend Jay Sherman Godfrey, who I eventually Mm, was in a band with. I think it was on the sidewalk outside of Brownies on Avenue A. And, you know, we got introduced, and I... You know, he and Jay were talking very authoritatively and enthusiastically about some (laughs) guitar thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I remember bonding with him early on about like guitar stores in New York. And we got on a conversation about guitar stores. And he was saying how intimidating this one guitar store was in the the Lower (laughs) East Side. Mm -hmm. And and I had literally walked into the same store and no one would... I had an acoustic guitar and I didn't realize like they mostly worked on electric stuff, but that no one would even talk to me. I was like standing there for 20 minutes with an acoustic case before anybody would be like, yeah, what do you want? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> had that experience. <laughs> yeah, so we we kind of bonded over that. The, just the silliness of like I'm trying to do something here, and um, <laughs> but obviously they were quite already quite accomplished and mm-hmm. you know successful and doing um, something that was you know I don't know if I th- realized the first few times that we hung out that they were working on a record or right. you know mm-hmm. quite that to that degree. But I did eventually go to Flans's home studio, you know, which was about a block and a half from my apartment in Williamsburg. And he showed me the answering machine that was for the dial-a-song. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think he might've even had like an old phone, you know, hooked up to it, like a mm-hmm. real, you know, like your grandma would have the rotary <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> phone. Well, I remember we'd recorded the song and I, you know, had gone up to the magic shop and I had never been in a professional recording studio. I'd only recorded four track, <laughs> you know, stuff yeah, in someone's yeah. bedroom before they asked me to come sing on their record, you know, at, for the guitar. Mm. Again, it was pretty intimidating, but I just, you know, they put me in the booth and 
I sang it a few times and they were like, okay, you know, I, it's probably the first time any, I'd watch someone make a comp of a vocal, you know, yeah, like all yeah. of that stuff. I sang a little harmony. Did you make up that harmony or was that told? I actually to- remember Linnell trying to coach me on something <laughs> and I mm-hmm. wasn't quite getting exactly what he wanted, I don't think, but we came up with an approximate <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> version that worked yeah. out okay. What was So what's the very start of this? Because, so how did, do you remember them telling you they want you on this, this album? I remember first hearing the song in Flansburg's little home studio mm. on Fifth Street. And then I, I, so I didn't know anything about the genesis of where they'd come up with the idea for it. Yeah. It seemed very spontaneous to me in yeah. terms of the lyrics. Like it literally almost seemed like John kind of pulled them out of his hat. Yeah, even for They Might Be Giants, um, the guitar is an unusual track. Yeah. Because as weird as their songs can be, they still tend to be the the verse, chorus, verse, bridge structure. Right. But the guitar is like a jam with very free form. Right. So it's it's even unusual for them. Right. And I don't think I knew any of that. Like, I think, yeah. I, I, think I was listening to whatever their... Like, I was just with in John's studio with him mm-hmm. as he sort of seemed to sketch out these lyrics and he was like try this try this mm. you know so we did remember any rejected uh, I don't <laughs> unfortunately I don't remember um yeah I don't remember it was always the um the lion sleeps tonight yes it was always that yeah, yeah it was always the um I remember kind of getting the giggles about the lion being on the phone yeah and thinking like that reminded me of like a parental image almost like no your father can't come right now he's on the phone (laughs) (laughs) you know just like having these funny little snippets of like almost impressionistic Mm -hmm. meaning like it was just like not supposed to be a linear thing with a real meaning it was more imagistic wow wasn't that great laura was so nice uh we're gonna go into the whole Laura Cantrell interview. We're just going to put that out as an episode because it was a great interview. We mm-hmm. covered a lot more They Might Be Giant stuff with her and also talked about her Hello EP and about recording with Flansburg. Mm-hmm. You know, he produced that. And we also I talked, do know. We also talked about her, her albums, which are great. So there's going to be a whole big Laura Cantrell uh, celebration after these Apollo 18 episodes come out, along with some other interviews we did with people. Sure thing. But yeah, uh, she she makes the song, her, her voice. I love the way... Um, her voice is mixed in this song. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to our friend Matt once, like we we were like talking about like one of our favorite things in music that we've noticed mm. pops up here and there is when there's like a double tracked, like it's like a female vocal mm-hmm. doing kind of a robotic sounding uh, performance. Yeah, I know what you mean. Not very emotive, but like a sort of a very f- kind of like a interesting, like d- a weird, like robotically distanced performance. And it's double tracked in both ears is like something that comes up in a few songs that I love. Yeah, I was going to say, it seems Flansburg likes that style as well. I mean, that's Boat of Car. That's Yes, yeah, it is. Appar- uh, apparently, Robin Goldwasser's voice. Apparently it was going to be the Boat of Car singer right. before Laura Cantrell did yes, it, which yes. is crazy. Similar style. We also have Flansburg discussing Laura Cantrell in let's this see if it lines up. interview clip. Yeah, let's see if it's the same. Someone's lying. Here we go. Laura Cantrell is a woman singing. She's, um, she's a country western singer from Nashville who actually has moved to Brooklyn and is in a, in a band called Best Western. Uh-huh. And uh, she was down the street and I called her up and said, I got this song, it'd be better if you sang it. Yeah, that seemed to line up. Yeah, and and yeah. And I think that's what she said too. Laura Cantrell's <laughs> music is fantastic, everyone. Yeah. 
starry skies and it's all right yeah on your own in the world the night and it's all right i hope your rivers running wide and deep but no there's a promise that you one of my favorite things in the Laura Cantrell part though is there's a <laughs> this is going back to the kick drum thing there's a kick drum in the left ear. I want everyone to listen for this. There's like a kick drum in the left ear that to me, it sounds like tapping a microphone. Like mm. it sounds like this. Okay. And it's doing like a really crazy pattern. And this is on top of like the normal pattern that like the regular kick drum is doing. But listen listen to like what the kick drum is doing during the Laura Cantrell sections of the song. It's really interesting because you imagine that section as like a slowed down quiet section. But if you if you listen to what the kick is doing, it's like wacky. Let's hear it. Hush, my darling, be still, my darling. The lion's on the phone. Hush, my darling, be still, my darling. The lion's on the phone. So a bunch of different patterns. It's doing like, yeah, it does one <laughs> pattern that's more a little more, a little more no, uh, hits. And then it does kind of like a, a counter beat pattern you know yeah, it's like it's in between unusual. the beats and it's weird and it's funny because it's really easy to not hear it especially if you're not listening on headphones it's almost mm. subliminal and uh, but that's but ever since i was younger i used to like because i used to i still remember like i used to listen to apollo 18 in my disc man like all the time and i just remember always being like oh i love that weird tapping in my ear it really sounds mm. like someone's hitting your ear with their finger huh yeah what do you think of that what do you think of that so what do you make of that bridge jordan yeah, the noisy, the noisy stuff. Lots of trumpets and <laughs> horns and stuff. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I was thinking earlier, like, the normal trumpet part that just goes... Like... I always right. imagined this big horn section, but if you listen, it's just like one guy right. <laughs> just doing it. Towards the end of the song, it becomes two of him, like overdubbed in both ears. But that part sounds like they overdubbed him and Linnell just doing stuff. Right. Bunch of random stuff. Though it doesn't sound too out of control. So I always wondered how, how much it was, how controlled it was, how written out it was. Yeah, that must be hard to determine. There's like one or two notes that seem a little sour on <laughs> purpose. Right. But they mostly kind of all fit together. Unless I'm just so used to the song that it sounds normal to me. I'm Could not sure. That. Could be that too. Very unusual, as I say. Yeah. You think so? Yes, yes. I like that sort of middle part there with the... The freeform uh, Everybody uh, jazz just plays Odyssey? whatever they want. That was, yeah. that was very carefully That was carefully out. orchestrated. Yeah, I also wanted to... There, There's a few times they mentioned this on the Tumblr where Flansburg like, answered a few questions about it, and I wanted to just read those. Read to me. Well, one Jordan. thing is that someone asked Flansburg if the silver spaceship was a... As was a reference to a Neil Young mention of Silver Spaceship in After the Gold Rush. And Flansburg said no, which is uh, always interesting. Okay. When he, <laughs> no, but he's <laughs> what, what, he, story. what he did say, though, he says it was not an intentional nod to Neil Young. It just seemed a very hippie way of saying it. But maybe that's yeah. where it all comes from. So uh -huh. I think that's an interesting insight into the song that it is supposed to be this trippy, spacey, yeah. kind of hippie thing. Well, I had that in my notes as well, where, I mean, is this what kind of what led them to call the album Apollo 18. I mean, it's like this and spacesuit yeah. are the real big space references. And mammals, because we've got a lion 
in the spaceship. Like right, to me, a song the, with another animal. Yeah, it's, it's so to me the guitar is the centerpiece of, of the album. Yeah. Because it's got the animals in the spaceship <laughs> together, right. and it, it really it's like exactly perfect, perfectly on point for like what the cover art is and and everything like that. Yeah. You know. Like it would have been almost too on the nose if on the cover was like a lion in outer space. Yeah. But it's like, it's almost basically That'd be ridiculous. That. <laughs> That'd be insane. I wonder when the title was thought of, you know? Yeah. And then I guess there's also the question, like, does it mean anything? You know, why is the lion on the phone? The lion's on the spaceship, blah, blah, blah. He's just leaving the earth, man. He's done. Yeah. I mean, maybe it has to do with what we talked about with mammal with lion extinction. Goodbye. Like he's like avoiding being extinct or something, but, or it could just not mean, you know, much of, it could just be like an interesting dreamy yeah. surreal image. Or like we, the hippie. Imp- yeah. The hippie thing. It's like a vision, like a beautiful vision. I was going to say hippie impetus, but I don't like that word. <laughs> it's too close to impotent people. Another thing about this song I wanted to talk about live in terms of the lion sleeps night is live. Flansburg does the full Awima yeah. thing. I mean, this song is really different live. That's a whole big discussion, actually. I think I want to get more deep into that when we talk about, I think we're going to talk about the Apollo 18 tour and the live albums Being alive. Yeah, but it is definitely an experience live. And it's it's even more, it's kind of beautiful live too, honestly. Well, they're almost creating new songs during that improvised middle part. Every single time they play it live, it's like making 50 new songs. That's actually one of the reasons I've been hesitant to talk about it live because I have so many MP3s of it live and I'm like, what do I even pick? They're all like amazing and interesting. I wonder if any new songs came from those jams that they ended up putting on records. Yeah, maybe. Um, let's, Let's talk more about the song. Uh, More? So we've got a lot going on in this section of the song. I want, yeah. Too much. Yeah. So first, so you've got the trumpet player going and I think he's double tracked. I think there's two of him, but then you've got Linnell on like a really low, I believe it's a Barry sax under him doing like interesting counter rhythms and notes and stuff. It's a fantastic arrangement. The song, and it's really is, it's uncharacteristically joyful (laughs) for They Might Be Giants. That's true. It's almost, it feels like a celebration of life, which is almost like, I wonder if they'd cringe if I said (laughs) that. But it it does have this, I I think you said with our interview with Ed, it's like the song of the summer or something. (laughs) Like it just feels like, Feels like, you know, rollerblading. Rollerblading? <laughs> it feels like rollerblading, like on, the, roller on, the, on the boardwalk yeah. in the summertime and just going like, yeah, like there's something. <laughs> little Daisy Dukes, right? There's something about that uh, guitar riff that's just so, like you used so to wonderful. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, then there's a crazy auctioneer sound. Yeah, there's these samples. And you know where those are from? I don't know. I actually tried to look where those are from, but but the, my, did you the, fall short? The, I fell short of the podcast. Someone else should take over this show, really. <laughs> I'm just a failure. But the second best thing I can offer is I was looking for old clips of auctioneers to get an idea. 
and and we could do that. Here's here's 1990. So I was actually looking for a round Apollo 18. So this is Neil Davis, 1990 international auctioneer champion. I think this is cheating. Making his mama proud. I'm going to be succeeded out 1700. He numbered him on 1800 here. 50, 1919, 19, 19. Never to on 2000 there. Now 2050. I sell a lot of cars, Marvin. Okay. I'm going to be 2050. You're going to be on 21. One and a half there. Get in, Bing. I'm going to be 21. Never to on 200 here. 22 there. Now 50. You're going to be on 2. Never to it on 3. 3 there. Now 50. And 3. Never to it on 24 there. Wayne, you're out there. But to give four now. Half four. Dude, I put a beat under that. Yeah, but he's not saying anything. <laughs> it's not impressive because I don't understand it. It's like you have to be like the Flash and like have like <laughs> slow down time to, under, to hear it. It's pretty interesting. It's funny I though because I could talk really fast and say um, nothing. Hey, it's going to be. Well, sold. Come on. That's exactly what that sounded like. It is. Um, I know that Ed, in his interview, he he mentioned he thought it was a horse race announcer. Mm. And I don't know if if it is. It, to me, it sounds like an auctioneer, just like what you said. Um, but horse race, it kind of said maybe the first one, five, three, four, five. Sure. Whatever, like, that could be it. I don't know. I said auctioneer because I didn't know what word to say. No, it, it definitely, to me, sounds like an auctioneer. And I, I would love to find that sample, but I couldn't find it, unfortunately. If you know what that sample's from, you can email us. Email us at... at don't let's start podcast at, at gmail.com come and go to our Twitter at don't let's pod. I've been posting fun stuff related to Apollo 18 throughout the past few weeks. I also recently scanned a bunch of amazing uh, concert photos that I took of they might be giants. I took in the nineties uh, at the Bowery ballroom. I scanned like a hundred photos and I've been posting them. Uh, so check that out. Don't let's pod. And then there's the moo of a cow, which is another animal. It's another animal, the moo. And we heard that moo in one of the uh, those uh, random <laughs> Istanbul remixes, I think, right? In our a few episodes back. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, I know. It's getting a little complicated here. I think my brain is starting to go from this podcast. It's weird because the moo is, is funny, but it's also kind of perfect. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade that moo for anything. Well, in the it world. sounds like a speak and say moo. Yes, I'm it doesn't say. sound like a real cow. It sounds like a toy cow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, gonna I'm gonna bet dollars to donuts. That's yes. what it's from. I like how the haze at the like Flansburg's hey. Mm. I love how the reverb starts to take them over as the song is is ending. I think that's like a it's just an interesting like final thing, like in a mix where it's like we're ending the song, mm-hmm. like it's like he's fading into the background, like they're like they're driving away or something. And I, yeah. I always I always thought that's like a cool they're saying technique. goodbye. They're going into space. They're going into space, exactly, where no one can hear your hey. Right. Yeah, to me, the song is, it's almost like a proto monopuff song. And there, there's, I can see that. there's a lot of sections, especially the part that's like with the auctioneer, like the guitar is like, like to me, that sounds like it's fun to steal, like that whole album. A little more funky. Yeah, and the samples. And also, I was yeah. thinking when we were just listening, the thing that we, we said was like maybe the sticks. It mm-hmm. almost sounds like bongos. It almost sounds like mm-hmm. a bongo being hit. Like, I don't know. I can't tell. But I also like that we don't know. This song is like a fantastic mix, interesting combination of stuff. Now we're going to stop talking about it forever. <laughs> I just ate lunch, and you know what I'm ready for now? The dinner bell. <laughs> okay, let's do it. That sort of worked. I've been leaving on my things. So in the morning when the morning bird sings, there's still dinner on my dinner jacket till the dinner bell rings. Expand. 
the dinner bell to do the bell thing. Dinner bell, dinner bell ring. So just when you thought they might be giants, we're starting to get too cool, <laughs> too funky, too mainstream. You know, the big 90s, the big dance funk 90s. Here comes yeah. John Linnell with another animal song. Hello. Yep, for sure. Yep. Uh, dinner bell. Dave, what? 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 <laughs> what? Why? I just took a sip of coffee. He almost did a spit take, but I would have been very mad if he spit taked all over my expensive recording yeah, equipment. Spit takes aren't really that funny in real life. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, they're tragic. They're actually disgusting. Yep. Uh, Dave, dinner bell. This is like a really complicated song. Um, yes. Vocally. Vocally, and I think the piano playing yeah. too is complicated. I I don't play yeah. piano. I don't I don't get into that, but <laughs> no. Yeah, you're manly. I, yeah, I can't speak to the difficulty of the piano. I'll take your word on that. Yeah, I just know like it's with an, the counter melodies and all the syllables <laughs> and having to fit syllables into the amount of space. Yeah, uh, seemed very complicated. I was actually wondering how he picked the particular foods he was talking about <laughs> aside yeah. from the syllables. Well, this is what I think. I think he put himself in the the mind of a dog. <laughs> I mean, so, so to me, this song is from the point of view of a dog. And I, I think this is fairly widely known by fans. But mm -hmm. just in case there's there are people listening who's like, we've gotten emails being like, I've never thought about their lyrics before. Tell me a little bit about the song Dinner Bell and uh, which of you, if either of you or both of you wrote it. Okay, well, that's that was my song. We used to have a dinner bell in our house, which was kind of a gag. It was just the standard use of a dinner bell, but also like this Pavlov's dog kind of effect you get. I think part of the problem that John and I have is that we come up with this stuff and we don't really um, explain it to one or one another. Um, we, we, you know, we, we tend to work in this way where we, we, we have an idea that just sounds good to us and we don't think about what we're going to have to say to the NPR guy, <laughs> you know. That's interesting. Before I forget, it's two animals, actually, because he talks about a morning bird, too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I and mean, they have a lot of songs about birds. birds. Boy, boy. The bird is, a, in, the in fact, the word. <laughs> Sorry, I stepped on that. <laughs> I apologize. Okay, so we've got two things here, which is that dinner, apparently Dinner Bell is an autobiographical for yeah. Linnell, which is that it was a gag in their house, which I think is, I mean, that's adorable. This is a, basically a, an adorable song, I think. though. That maybe, is a Dinner Bell a triangle? By the way, I think it's just a bell, like a little dingaling bell. Well, you know, like in old movies and you stuff. You know, like dingaling a do. <laughs> like on a farm or something where it's like, come and get it. That's true. And they ring a but triangle. Is a, is a triangle a bell? These are the hard hitting <laughs> questions, folks. Yeah. I mean, we can disregard what I said <laughs> if it's not relevant. You're so hard on yourself. <laughs> okay. So well, it's not like a hotel bell, you know, like a bellhop bell. It's not a bellhop bell. That's a different song. God damn it. That's a, that's a different John Linnell song, probably. No, no, I imagine. Well, so it's funny because if you, I, I looked into Pavlov's dog and those experiments. Yes, let's get focused here. <laughs> there, there is a picture of the bell, yeah. I think. Yeah, and if you look at the picture, it's a little, looks a, almost like a cowbell, like a little. Oh, you a, know what it is? You it's see that it? bell you ring when you're sick. And you're like trying to get somebody's oh, yeah. attention and you're on the couch and you're yeah, like, like, I in need cartoons more chicken or soup. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. So th this song to me, the reason I said it's like, yeah, the, the point of view of a dog is because mm -hmm. as John Linnell said, it's it's based on Pavlov's dog, which right. is the, the name of the experiment is called classical conditioning. Yeah. And it's about the idea is that you can you know, you can observe, train and observe an animal having like a response to something right. that um, 
at first is a response to the direct thing, but you can make Stimulus. it. Yeah, you can make it an indirect thing. So you show an animal food, it'll, it, this was all for, so Pavlov was like really into dogs drooling. <laughs> he was really into, interested hey man, in. Whatever you do in privacy of your home. Yeah. He was really interested in their saliva and he took samples of Disgusting. it. Disgusting. And he was trying to figure out like what, why are they salivating? Yeah. And that says in the lyrics, salivating dogs. Well, so isn't I, it so they're preparing to break down the food? That's interesting. I don't know. Well, that's why, I don't we, know. That's why we salivate. Oh, really? Yeah. It's like... um, It's the enzymes to help break down the food as part of the mastication process. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> that was buried deep somewhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, he was really interested in that. And so it, what happened was... And he, if I'm wrong, correct me. He would show them food. The dog right. would salivate. He would, he would show them food while ringing a bell. Oh, yes. And then the dog would salivate. And then he would only ring the bell and yeah. the dog would still salivate. Right. And um, this is this is extremely Big true deal. for not just animals, but for people. We are animals. And, you know, I have a dog and like I basically see, I mean, the the things that that cue her mm. are fascinating. When my girlfriend grabs her headphones, mm. my dog freaks out because that means she's going to take her outside sure. and go for a walk. Like just from her grabbing headphones, you know, and, mm. and for example, whenever Dave comes over to record, yeah. my dog freaks out. uh 10 minutes before Dave even gets here because yeah. my dog sees me texting and she sees that I'm getting texts, which is Ooh. rare for me. Um, Sad. And she sees that I'm kind of like maybe tidying up. Maybe she also sees that I'm like, look, you know, go to walking, looking at the door. Yeah, looking at the door. Getting ready to open that door. Dogs just sort of study every move you make all the time and they like react to every I, little thing. I think some of that is the sense of smell too, though. But mm, yes, you're correct. Sense of smell. Yeah, yeah. I think they could smell a different person fear. coming in the elevator. Well, that's what it smells that my fear means. when Dave is coming over. <laughs> and it's uh, merited. <laughs> yeah. Like another example. Okay. For like, and for people. So it's like people. What? When we would go to the movie in the distant past, um, I would Let want... Let me take you back to a time. Yeah, I would want popcorn. And yeah. it's like, it's not like I'm like dying for popcorn, but it's like, I can't imagine... with the movies. At this point, yeah. yeah, sitting at the movies without popcorn. And I, you know, like things like that. I, we're all like... Maybe slaves is an extreme word, but we're all we all have these involuntary things, and and you can fight against it. But, sure, but sometimes it's fun to just be like, ah, oh, this is just my routine that I like doing, you know. Or it's like when you get like a notification on your phone, you know, your body goes through some physiological changes. Yeah, I mean, this has gotten into overdrive lately with phones yeah, yeah. and with the internet. Um, I wonder what Pavlov would think of these. You know, times you only know? only two hours ago, my girlfriend was telling me a story, and Dave was texting me about planning to do the podcast today, and. I I was, I couldn't stop looking at my phone, even though my girlfriend was talking to me and yeah. she's like, you're not listening to me. And I was like, you're right. I'm sorry. You're, it's, at it's, least you cop to it. <laughs> I, oh, I'll, I'll, I am good. Very good at admitting my, when I, when I'm just, my when many, I suck. Many flaws. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. There's so many. Yeah. So this, this is, this is like an interesting song that's about that in a way, but it's also a fun, it's funny. I, I keep, I kept looking at the lyrics being like, is this a dark song? Cause Linnell always has like a dark twist. twist. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> the, no, I like it. It makes me feel uh, like we're we're together in this. It's like in midsummer when they're all crying together. Um, no. So I, uh, I I'm I was looking at the lyrics. I'm like, uh, is is he saying that this is a, a scary thing about us? Is he saying that it's right. that this d poor dog that was experimented on is going nuts? But it, what I love about the lyrics to Dinner Bell, and I think part of the reason why you said, like, why there's so many syllables and frantic is, like, that's how a dog would think. Like, I think yeah. Linnell really puts himself in the mind of a, how a dog thinks, which is like, oh, my God, oh, my God, blah, 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 you know. Well, it is a more fun song, and maybe this is incredibly simplistic and idiotic, 
if you want to use those words, but it's just fun to name food. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. There's a Moxie Fruba song that's similar where it's yeah. about a cook in a kitchen and it's just like... Well, it's also, you know, it's like grocery bag, which like... <laughs> yeah, that's right. Makes me happy because I like thinking of buying groceries and food that I can eat. That's right. Because I'm yeah. a simple man. Yeah, it's funny. Food is just like a thing in everyday life, but it's like uh, everyone... I'm a fan. <laughs> Personally. Well, let's go through the lyrics a little bit because there, there, <laughs> there are some specific weird yeah. things in the lyrics. The first verse is a strange pun on dinner jacket. So he says, I've been leaving on my things. So in the morning when the morning bird sings, and by the way, I'll stop right there. The, 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 speaking of how a dog thinks, even just the fact that it says morning twice in one sentence, right. like in the morning when the morning bird sings, it's like a dog's repetitive thought nature. Like dogs are kind of obsessive. Like, you know, my dog would just like lick my hand for like five minutes straight and just not stop because they're very like focused on the thing in sure. the present. You know, they're very like about the now. They're very mindful. Yes, that's right. Or or, and, or the opposite of mindful. The, yeah. yeah, There's still dinner on my dinner jacket till the dinner bell rings. Sounds so, about a slob. So yeah, I mean, is is what I imagine with with that is, so a dinner jacket, I guess we could just say is like a fancy jacket you'd wear to a, a restaurant, right? To yeah. have a, a like nice dinner. with a dinner. dress code or something. Yeah, dinner jacket, um, like at a club or whatever. Right. The Friars Club. Friars Club. <laughs> but in, in this dog's point of view, it's almost like the dog hearing the term dinner jacket is just like, oh, a jacket with food on it or something something right right is that am i getting this right i don't even know I, well i was gonna say because the next line is experimental dog so isn't is he saying is the dog saying that about no because we've got these, herself we've got different linnell vocals yeah so the experimental dog uh vocals are, have a different quality yeah. or it's the outside um omniscient narrator, narrator right. right so so that i think the main linnell dry vocal not not dry exactly. The solo vocal is is John Linnell as dog. This is my interpretation, by the way. I'm just gonna say. Sure. Um, then we've got the backing vocals, which are kind of framing everything. You're like your Greek chorus, as mm. it were, right? Or Russian chorus in this song. And then, so we've got a really crazy, bizarre thing that that used to really like blow my mind when I first was getting into They Might Be Giants, which is the background vocals during the first experimental dog part right and do you know what i'm talking about dave i don't know i mean this has been baffling me for 20 years man well what what i love about it i mean it's almost like Is a subliminal it's almost a subliminal message the way it's like presented so the way it, it's done is that in the left and right ears is john linnell doing like the syllables of that part ping-ponging back and forth and i, I think what something would be fun to do is listen to one ear at a time Expand. And then there's like, you do it again with the other ear. It's like spoiler alert. Yeah, it is. That's right. So these lyrics aren't in the liner notes. So before um, there was ever a wiki or, or anything, I, re yeah. I remember on the news group and on the old TMBG fan mailing list and all those discussions, there was like debate about what the hell he was saying. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure 100%. Yeah, there was a lot of like, and I think basically everyone agreed on it, but it was like, oh, this is like a weird secret message in the song, which is I reheat my soup, give it a good look and walk away. What's that about, Dave? You're really, you're, you I, like how soup? am I supposed to answer that? Is Linnell confirm these lyrics though? 
No, he hasn't actually. So we still don't know. No, it could be I reheat my uh, shoe spoon. <laughs> spoon. <laughs> no, it's probably that though. My guess would be it's just more food-driven response stuff. Yeah. So give it a give it a look, and I'm gonna walk away, and you know nature will take o- will take over. Hmm. You'll start salivating. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's a weird line. It's really weird. Uh, I mean, look, I, I had, I've re- reheated soup, looked at it, and walked away. I did this three days ago. My parents tell me more. My parents came over, and Kristen, my girlfriend, made some soup, and they ate. It. <laughs> yeah, it's just a really cool uh, part of the song. It's really like a psychedelic song, in a way. It's a very complex counter melody. Yes. Then we get like more harmonies for the next. He repeats, "I've been leaving on my things again." All that the whole morning, <laughs> morning bird part, mm-hmm. which again, if a dog's brain is again, like I said, it's repetitive. It's it's definitely just going to keep thinking the same thoughts every day. You it know? could also be repetitive because it's an experiment too. Yeah, that's right. You do an experiment over and over until you you get the results that you want. I guess I don't oh. know. I'm not a scientist. No, you aren't. I've been leaving on my things. So when the My dog is barking right now in the background. I don't know if that's audible or not. Maybe she wants some. She wants in on this conversation. Peanut brittle. She should have. She should have been the third uh, host for this segment. Mm -hmm. Um, So then we've got a bunch of foods, Dave. Uh, My time to shine. Yeah, you you take over. Got pizza, peanut brittle. The one lyric they might be giants lyric I don't relate to is I don't want a pizza. Also, later when they say, would you rather be having vinegar or an egg? <laughs> Which one would you want? <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I don't want a bagel. Dave, does that offend you? I am offended. Yeah. I don't want a bean. <laughs> <laughs> I think I love They Might Be Giants quotes out of context. Now, even in their own context, they're weird. <laughs> but out of context, like I'd love a t-shirt that's just like, I don't want a bean. <laughs> they might be giants. Well, you're in luck because. <laughs> so this, this has always perplexed me. A bag of beef. Yeah, so I, was, so I, was I don't eat today. meat. Dave, you eat meat. You is, a bag of beef. is that a normal thing? A bag of beef? I don't beef? think you'd call it a bag of beef. Uh, I don't know. What would you call it? A slab. A slab of beef. Which actually fits really well, too. Yeah, yeah. It's not like loose beef in a bag. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it would be, well, it's usually packaged like flat. Let's get into this. Well, like chopped meat, I guess. Yeah. If you look at it a certain way, a bag of beef. That's true. Maybe it's just the way Lanell sees these things in a grocery store. Yeah, to see what, yeah, that's funny. I, what I like about these lyrics is that he's naming foods, but there's still a touch of surrealism. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's not, he's not content to sort of like the Moxie Fruva song, like we're just going to name foods and that's the joke, haha. But um, they might be giants. It's, it's not it's simply a joke. And I also think it's weird because a dog would want all these things. Uh, they'd want a it bag all. Of beef? They'd want everything mixed in. My dog Maybe wants, not the beer. wants to literally eat everything all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Except I think there was like one or two foods where she spit it out and we were like shocked like whoa she actually has discerning tastes yeah, yeah. she doesn't like this one thing I think maybe he's also just going for the alliteration to bag of beef and a beer yeah and the next line too chowder corn cream cauliflower yeah it's 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 pretty great so then we've got this uh interesting part where he names parts of the human body
Yeah, I don't get it. Okay. I was thinking about this. I, I think this goes along. Besides science experiments. Yeah, well, that, that's what I was going to say is like, I think it's, right. it's. Then I do get it. It brings to mind like maybe this is like Pavlov in the lab and maybe this is some other yeah. scientist. He's going like, okay, we're like checking out, we're doing experiments on this part. What about that part? You know, I, I think it's interesting um, in terms of the, the sound quality here. Uh, maybe now we can cut to Ed. Ed mm. talked about this song a bit, and he specifically talked about this part at one point. The so, backwards singing. Yeah, so l- let's talk to Ed and, and see what he has to say. Or we already talked to him, but let's let's play a clip from let's the pretend. past yeah. of Ed uh, t- talking to us about Dinner Bell. So we can move on to Dinner Bell, uh, which yeah, I, I guess it's like I have so many questions that it's really all just one question, which is like, <laughs> what's going on in Dinner Bell? Bass and drums were sequenced. That piano, that kind of like, it sounds like a player piano. Yeah. Keyboard was also probably sequenced. Oh, okay. Um, but it was, it's interesting because I said like Magic Shop had this baby grand there, which yeah. was not that, not that great. I think he just had sequenced and he just did all the vocal overdubs. You asked about the backwards vocals and that was a, a complete fake out because... Mm-hmm. Linnell, I think Linnell on his own said the words into a tape machine and turned it around, and then he learned how to do it. So he mm. he actually faked those backgrounds. He actually went, rah, rah. Like oh, he so they're not so they're not actually we're not hearing a reversed audio. We're hearing a, a no. pat, like a imitation of a reversed audio. Yeah, exactly. Because again, like on di- digital tape, it's not one of those things where you just turn around, like flip. Because most time you just just flip it around and you're recording backwards. You can't mm-hmm. do that on digital. It's not possible. But Linnell did that, you know, just he, he figured out how to do those parts and just did them. Yeah, anything else? Because there's, I think there's like clarinets. Yeah, the clarinet actually is interesting. The clarinet is, I don't know if you know, are familiar with Kletzmer music. Kletzmer music is like a kind of a Jewish music mm-hmm. where it was sort of like, it, it has accordion in that as well. But but that but the whole clarinet part is very much like, dude, is very much in that kind of vein. Mm-hmm. Right. Was there a lot of takes of that verse where there's all those syllables going a mile a minute? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I don't I don't remember if he had to do a lot. I feel like he already knew it. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> From what I remember, he knew what he, knew what he was going to do in each section. You know, I think the backward stuff we had to kind of do a few times to get it. Mm-hmm. Where he was happy with it, but otherwise it was, it was pretty straight ahead. So this part is very confusing to me. If I understand Ed correctly, yeah. he's saying that we're not hearing reversed audio, even though it, to my ears, it sounds exactly like reversed audio. The mm-hmm. Like it sounds like a reversed waveform because it's doing the, those fade-in things that you only get when you reverse audio where the, mm-hmm. the consonants and the vowels are coming in backwards and it's mm-hmm. weird. It seems like he's saying Linnell heard what it would sound like and then yeah, did an imi- it imitation of it. Yeah. But I don't know if, I, I don't know though. It's weird. Oh, if Ed says it. <laughs> no, I know. I, I know. I just, um, so once again, it's it's two Linnells on both sides. I mean, this is almost the same as the reheat my soup yeah. mix. It's like the same, it's like the same person <laughs> or whatever, or dog. And we can even listen to one stereo part at a time again, because that might help shed some light on this. does sound like some effect though at least i would say if not backwards some kind of weird uh 
I don't know, reverb or something to garble it up. I don't know. It's weird because you can kind of fake like yell, blah, blah, yeah. but I, I don't think you can fake it that well. But hmm. I don't know. John Linnell has been he's capable of some interesting things with yeah. his voice. Maybe when it's two together, it sounds more, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you know, alien. I really love the bass in this song. It's interesting to me that uh, Ed said that it was all sequenced. To me, it sounds like a real, it sounds like a double bass, right? Like a stand-up bass. Sounds good, yeah. And it's like really sounds realistic. Yeah. Um, though, to be fair, like I have fake double bass and out of all the bass, for some reason, double bass sounds really real as like when it's MIDI. I don't know why. There's something. it's two. There's something, <laughs> yeah. There's something about it. Um I also think after that part, the way it's, I think it really hammers home the Russian origin because Pavlov was Russian. Um, it really hammers home like the Russian feel of the song. It's like, dinner bell, dinner yeah. bell, ding. I imagine like people like with the, like the fuzzy hats, you know, like doing yeah, the yeah. Moscow like <laughs> dancing or whatever. What's that called? Moscow dancing? Yeah, you know, whatever stereotype you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I was reading about a lot about Pavlov too. And he's, yeah. he's like a very interesting. What else did he do? Well, like his his he whole did that one thing. So what? His whole like <laughs> life story. He was like against Stalin and would like write Stalin letters saying like what you're Stop. doing is like a travesty. <laughs> and it was yeah. really interesting. It's amazing he wasn't like killed for saying that. He hated like the communist government in wow. Russia. He had like really on his deathbed. He was like recording, like still experimenting. Like he was like ex- like recording himself on his deathbed to like see what the Yikes. what happens to a person when they die and stuff. And he was like actually like a really interesting person. <laughs> Okay, so we've got another verse with even more food. You didn't think that he could <laughs> fit more food into this. Yeah, this is where he really shines. Basket of garlic bread. That's that's a personal Classic. favorite if I were to pick one there. I'd say... Have some pie and don't save your appetite. Really? Hey, man, you could die <laughs> and never have that pie. That's true. That's it. <laughs> That's my new poem. That's Dave's new uh, yeah motto. You could die and never have that pie. Um, I think it's, it's not a bad motto. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's like the Twin Peaks thing. Every day, give yourself a present. Love it. He liked pie. But th- this one really captures the mind of a dog, too, because something we do with our dog is we'll hold up two different kinds of treats mm-hmm. and be like, which one is she going to pick? And like to see her like head go back and forth. And then mm. like, it's always like such a surprise. Like, oh my God, she picked like this. It's like, what about this though? And it's like the whole, like, I don't know whether I'd rather be having, that's hard to sing yeah. fast. How does he do that? I don't know whether I'd rather be, I can't do it. Can you do it? Do it. I don't know whether I'd rather be having a bottle of vinegar. <laughs> yeah, I think you got to get in the zone. Yeah. He probably is just it's like, like uh, I am the modern general of fucking <laughs> shit and fucking stuff. What's that song? This isn't <laughs> even a the... major modern general and neither <laughs> mineral or vegetable. <laughs> Some stupid. Yeah, play. we had to do that in elementary school. Not to take away everything you were saying for the last uh, hour, but is it possible that it's not from the point of view of a dog? It could be. It might be Pavlov's. Maybe he's like, these experiments yeah. are making me hungry. Yeah. Or like maybe he's <laughs> these like, pretzels are making me thirsty. Gotten to the mindset of a dog from being around them so much. You th- yeah, yeah. It um, says that on his Wikipedia. He said he started. Uh, well, especially because that Linnell clip you played for me about how it was like his dinner bell in his house. Yeah, it might just be autobiographical in a way. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's what I like about the song. Being is, as hungry is as a it's, dog. It's that it's a mix. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you could be t- dog tired, yeah. dog hungry. Dog hungry. Dog horny. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite things that happens in the song in the in the final section is Flansburg comes in yes. with his harmonies. I've been leaving on my Dinner on my dinner 
dinner bell does the bell thing. Dinner bell, dinner bell, do the bell thing. I'm waiting for the dinner bell to do the bell thing. Dinner bell, dinner bell, ding, ding, ding. What decides, like, the guest this, spot? Yeah, like, this will be Flansburg <laughs> yeah. doing harmony. This will be Linnell on top of himself, because the whole song is Linnell on top of himself. Do you think he was just like, there's just too many of me? It's that's going to be hard to kind of separate in the mix. Do you think it was very functional like that, or was it very could like be that? It could be I want a different vocal quality want, here, yeah, because to kind of like give it a big ending. Because Flansburg yeah. is really doing like the ru- the manly Russian, <laughs> right? <laughs> the classically what I imagine, you know, is just I'll like leave. yeah, my beard. I just imagine Flansburg with like a big beard, like a Russian. Yeah. Beard. <laughs> doing this sort of backing walls. I love when he sings like that. Whatever tickles your berries. And I've said I've said this before. It's, it reminds me of like when he sings in the spiraling shape, like his backing vocals, like everyone yeah. wants to. I love when he does that. It's like so very pleasing to my ear. And and that's like one of my favorite things Good. in this song is him him doing these like little little in-between sections in while Linnell's doing his. I um, call them guest spots. Yeah, the waiting for yeah. the... Like, it's almost a Russian accent. <laughs> like, it's almost... You know, right. they wouldn't do that very explicitly because it'd be silly. I also love that last line where it's just like, you can't hold it in anymore. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, yeah. No, it's... Ring a ding, it ding. It really feels like a dog, a dog's brain <laughs> to me. Um, it'd be interesting to compare this with their song, Dog, that came out yeah. <laughs> like a year Last ago. Last year, yeah. Um, that's another one that's kind of like that. I think he's, I think Linnell t- taps into the, the minds of these animals in these, yeah. in some of these songs. And I love the the clarinets and stuff that come in too. It's even more kind of European sounding or, you know, mm-hmm. like that, you know, it's not an American kind of vibe. Ed called it a klezmer Yes, style. yeah, it yeah. has that feel. Um, it's, it's a fascinating song. It's super fun. Uh, and now it's done and now it's done. (laughs) And let's move on to the next song, which is nothing like dinner bell. Narrow Narrow your your eyes. eyes. I don't want to change your mind. I don't want to think about your mind. They say love is blind. I don't think you're blind. You don't want to So narrow your eyes, Jordan. Narrow your eyes. Um, I'm really curious what you think. I know what I think of this song, but what I don't know is what you think of the song, Dave. I think this is another one of my favorites on the album. Oh, I was about to fight you. Yeah. No, no, this is a great song. I was about to give you a noogie. And I think it falls into the category of one of their more heartfelt songs, like coming from an actual emotional, vulnerable place. Yeah. Well, check this out. Oh. You know, this is a, this is a totally autobiographical song. This is a song called Near Your Eyes, and it's off the Apollo 18 album. I don't want to There you go. Yeah, I found that like literally right before you walked wow. in the door. <laughs> I was like, oh, let me do one last check. It seems very autobiographical, and yeah. it's very relatable. It's the, the most. It's probably the most relatable. They might be giant song for me uh, after uh, Chesapeake's face. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's funny. I was actually looking stuff up, and there's this one random article. It was like a review of one of their concerts, mm-hmm. and this article has a line that says. You know, they're kind of saying how wacky the songs are, of course. Mm -hmm. And then it says, uh, sure, TMBG can write real songs. The breakup ditty, Narrow Your Eyes, (laughs) being my favorite. 
Yikes. So that that's like a, a good. They're all real. That's a, yeah. <laughs> that's a good starting point because I'm sure that they would hate to just like we said how they hate the term throwaway songs. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the same idea. They they would hate someone calling "Now Your Eyes" a real song, yeah. which implies that the other songs aren't. But we also, I think we all know what that person means, right? We, we, all, we know what he's trying to say. It is a guy. He's trying to say this is a song that's actually about a, an emotion, mm-hmm. a universal experience that we all uh, go through right. or a lot of people go through. And not that the other songs can't have a real emotion behind the decoding. Yeah, and there is. I think there's a lot yeah. of fear and horror in the, most of their other right. songs. But um, so it's almost like how you'd be like, oh, a, a sci-fi movie is not a real movie, but then this like drama about you know two yeah. people on a I farm you know is, is a real what? movie <laughs> two people on a farm yeah i, I find narrow your eyes uh, uh, as fascinating as any other songs because it's such a, a simple well it's not it's not emotionally simple but it's because it's it's not fantastical it's not surreal um and this this brings up the thread of, of flansburg songs on this album i truly think apollo 18 a lot of his songs track the ending of one relationship yeah. and the start of yeah. a new relationship. And and I think she's actual size, you know, is sort of the start of a new relationship. But this song and uh, other ones, I think hint at the, maybe Dig My Grave, like we said, I think hints at yeah. the ending of a relationship. I also think the eyes thing is interesting because in Dig My Grave, he's looking into someone's mm. eyes and feeling bad. That's the most a- ambiguous way I could put it. He's looking in someone's eyes and feeling like death. Mm-hmm. And then this song's called Narrow Your Eyes, where he's like, I don't want to look in your eyes. Mm-hmm. I want, you know, nar- like I'm going to narrow my eyes. You're going to narrow your eyes. And and I actually was wondering, like, what do you think of the that line? Because it's just, <laughs> what do you think of eyes? I like them. I like them blue. I like them brown. I like them green. What was your question? What, what do you think of? <laughs> what do you think? Narrow your eyes, and he also says, "I narrow my eyes." What do you think it means? Oh, when you narrow your eyes, you're you're sort of uh, uncomfortable and uh, you know upset, seething. Yeah, squinting. For a long time, I never. I had. I thought it was weird. I didn't understand, but I think. Um, well, look. I'll narrow my eyes. How do I look? <laughs> yeah, it looks like you hate me. Like you want to kill me. I think it's when you're kind of thinking about bad feelings. And That's what, happens what happens when, when you narrow them. And what if you like make your eyes go like, whoa? <laughs> like, what is that? And you love someone. <laughs> you, yeah. More than ever. Really wide means you love them. I was also going to say, I, I like a lot of lines in this uh, song. I want to go through this one. This is one of those line by line ones for me because I'm like, yeah. oh my God. Even if you're not going through a bad breakup, a lot of these lines are really great in um, relatability to relationships. Mm-hmm. And another topic we've talked about with Flansburg songs before, um, yeah. like being a man and owning up <laughs> yeah. to like being a grown up. This is one of your favorite topics. I know yeah. from a lot of the movies and songs you like and being stuff we've, we've talked about. The, the, <laughs> the Responsibility. Yeah, the inner conflicts of that and... Um, you know, feeling like you should should be more uh, in control of your life than you are. Like a man, we were kind of talking about this last night with our friend about like our jobs and feeling. And like by the we're way, when I say enough. man, you could replace that with woman too. More like coming into adulthood. Yeah, in being general. an adult, I think, yeah. would be the the PC way to put it. But yeah. I also think everyone knows what what we mean when we say that there's certain there's just a certain feeling it it evokes. I don't yeah. think it would have been. I don't think it would have been as strong a line if he said being an, if he would have non-gendered it. I don't think that would have been as No, no, that's impactful. not what I mean. But yeah. yeah. But I'm just saying if there was, uh, I don't know, the female equivalent of this song where it's like, I don't want to act like a woman, you know, woman. Well, it's funny you say that because um, 
my band that I had with my girlfriend, Sally, we covered this song out of many shows. Yeah. And I mean, that was a whole thing I wanted to get into. But for that one sure. line, because my girlfriend's singing it, I didn't want her to sing, uh, you know, and act like a man. So she, <laughs> I told her to replace it with and say you're my man, which really works because I don't uh. want to shake your father's hand or I'm walking the sand and say you're my man. It's kind of like a similar idea. Like, I don't want to be loving towards you. I think you should have left it as is. She sang it that way by accident one or two times. <laughs> Though uh, I'll play a clip of it because I'm like really proud of our version of it. But one thing that I thought was really cool, and this could actually ties into something I want to talk about with the song, is the drum part. My drummer at that time, who was in the band with us, you know, I didn't tell him what to do. I just sent him the song and we're like, and I was like, I want to practice this at the next practice. And like at the next practice, he he had like memorized every note, every hit of the drum. Yeah. Like he did it so album perfect. And I was like, that's amazing. Like this is cool. so cool. also brings to mind like the drums and the arrangement of this song this is one of a few songs that i really think is like they just want a band right, right. like this is just a, a rock song, rock song a pop yeah. rock song and it's sure. just it almost is like i wonder if it well well i'll preface this by saying i love how it sounds this is one of my favorite like album tracks i've mm -hmm. ever heard it's one of my favorite songs i think it sounds great but I'm like, I wonder if it, if real drums and bass and all that would give it a, the, that little bit more heart mm -hmm. that the song seems to be about, you know, a little bit more emotion, right? right. Compared to other weird songs, like Dinner Bell doesn't need to have real drums. <laughs> right. In my mind, you know, it's like these, this is one of those songs that I almost feel like requires more naturalness, more realness. Though it I still mean, works without it, so I don't yeah. even know. I mean, I think they almost got that with how it's produced. It's basically there, so... Yeah, so the sound of the song, there's actually in this uh, book where Linnell is interviewed, they actually, even though Linnell didn't write the song, they mentioned the song. And I wanted mm -hmm. to read that, Dave, which will spark a whole other amazing discussion. Says you. This guy says, Now Your Eyes has a very British invasion sound. Yeah. It's not a question, but he just says it. I agree. And then Linnell says, oh yeah, definitely. That was obviously part of the whole aspect of what we were into when we were growing up. If you hear the original music, it sounds fresh. So the real challenge is to come up with something that is as fresh now. Often you hear people remaking songs, doing cover of classic oldies. It almost always fails to capture the thing that was cool about the original. Mm -hmm. So that's what Linnell says about Narrow Your Eyes. Mm. They've talked many times about their loving the Beatles, growing up with 60s rock. Both John and I, you know, really had a, a childhood very, I think, overwhelmed by the awesomeness of the Beatles. And as, you know, as dull as that sounds, um, just because the Beatles are so culturally ubiquitous, if you are passionate about music just by temperament, having the Beatles being an ongoing concern in those formative years is a very uh, um, persuasive and, and fascinating uh, thing to have been part of your life you know I, I remember buying Beatles albums as they were released 
and my parents buying Beatles albums as they released. I actually bought the soundtrack for Hard Day's Night when I was five years old with uh, birthday money from my grandmother. And that was basically the first record I ever bought. Yeah, for me, the main Beatles influence I hear, that bass line is very McCartney-ish, right? What do you think of that? Yeah, there's a lot of good runs and fills in that bass line. Yeah. It's really nice, uh, very melodic, really supports the song. When I hear the song in my head, I hear the little bass fills. Mm -hmm. Do, 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 Yeah, it's the best instrument. That sounded like MC Hammer, but I know what you mean. Do, 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 do. No, there's a part where the bass goes... Do, 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 do. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I love I love that. Um, the song is a great production, a lot of accordion. It's kind of got this thing. It's very great for like the duo feel because you've got like Flansburg's electric guitar in the right side and then Linnell's accordion in the left and they're both kind of complementing each other and there's a, a, a acoustic guitar sounds like really warm and nice and it's like the nicest Flansburg has ever played a guitar almost. It's almost like the they'll need a crane bridge kind of yeah. where it's like, oh, he can like play this like sweet sounding sweet. guitar. I think we should go through some of those tasty tasty, <laughs> tasty lyrics. lyrics. I just relate to every freaking line. Um, yeah. You know, Dave Dave was lucky enough. He, he found his soulmate pretty quickly. Some might say she found me. <laughs> um, but I had a lot of misadventures and Luck trials. Luck had nothing to do with it, of, uh, by the way. Hard work. I had a lot of horrible relationships yeah. over the years while, while you know. Whilst. Whilst Dave was, was observing, uh, <laughs> I guess. No, I mean, I, I went through not a ideal relationship first. Yes. While you were having a good one. And then we kind of flipped. Yeah, we flipped, but then I kept <laughs> for like 10 years. But then years. you really stuck it out. Yeah, I was, for about seven, eight years, I was just going from relationship to relationship. That was bad, and there was a, a few... I mean, I'm surprised I got it right on the second try. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. But what this song is about is about the, not the one. It's about, the, yeah. it is a real thing. It's funny, because there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of songs that acknowledge this, but like there is a real, there's relationships you have that just fizzle out or they don't they're wrong they don't go anywhere i mean obviously there's yeah. breakup songs but those breakup songs are more they act like it's the end of the world mm-hmm. where this is a, a very realistic breakup song where he's just like that's that you right. know it's it's just it like whatever let's just move on it's kind of a song being like let's both move on because we don't need to belabor this point much i dig i have a song i will actually I have many songs about this topic but i have one called big delay that's sort of the exact idea where it's just like we're just delaying the inevitable, like hanging, yeah. like, why are we even doing this? There's like a line about it, it feeling weird to hold your hand, you know, which I, I didn't think of this song as an influence. I thought mm. of my life as the influence for that, but I really do see the similarity. Yeah, I don't want to think about your mind is a great, <laughs> it's like a cold, brutal line, you know? It's funny. I don't think it's that cold, to be honest. I think if he thinks about the feelings that she's going through as well, it's going to make his decision harder. See, I, I think that's true, but I think it's almost, it's more of a selfish thing where he's he just doesn't want to feel guilty. Oh, no, it is. So he'd rather not think yeah. about it. But there's still a lot of, uh, I, I think there's still a lot of emotion wapped up in that decision. Yeah, this one relationship I was in, like I kept trying- Talking to, about your relationships I kept, again? I kept trying to break up and yeah. it, it wouldn't, it kept not working. Well, it's like a vending machine, you know? It doesn't come, <laughs> yeah. doesn't tilt over on the first try. I love the line, I don't want to shake your father's hand. For, I love that on so one. many levels because um, we've both had uh, been with people where their dads are intimidating or it's, you know <laughs> it's like you it's like a weird threshold you cross when you meet the parents you know it, it like is that movie <laughs> well and especially for a guy if I could speak to that yeah if I'm allowed to that's like a big deal to meet your ladies 
uh, father because that's like, you know, usually it's their little girl. They're the ones yeah. that's looking after them and more than the mother. Maybe that's a generalization, but it's just like, I don't know. Like if I had a little girl, I don't think any guy yeah. would come near the house. To be honest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it can be, you know, scary and you're, you're to, de you're defiling their little girl. Well, I wasn't going to say that, but yes. And, um, you want to make sure like, you know, or they want to make sure like you're good enough. You're going to like yeah. give them a good life. And there's a lot of, um, baggage and obligation that can come with that. See, I, I've had almost like a different experience, which is I've, I've dated many girls where their dad was just like a bad guy. And like, I don't know why these girls keep being attracted to me, but it's, you don't no. <laughs> And, but it's like, it's for, right from my first girlfriend, you know, that's like the dad was uh, very belittling and insulting and mean. And, I, and I'm just sort you gotta of- You just punch him in the face. I wanted to. It's like prison. You got to take out the biggest guy your first day. <laughs> her dad was like really mean to her, like right in front of me. Just like call, she, he called her an idiot. Like the first moment I met I need to him, play devil's advocate. Was, was she, she an idiot? No, she's very, no, she was intelligent. It's been a string of like the, the kind of bad dads from the girlfriend inside. So the, I don't want to shake your father's hand means a lot to me or I'm yeah. just like, I definitely don't want to. I'd say the next line means more to me. Walk in the sand. Yeah. Because the beach sucks. Dave hates the beach. I hate it. And I have a theory everybody hates it. No one is going to fucking admit it. I used to not like it, but ever since we started taking our dog to the beach and she loves it so much, it's kind of hard to okay. hate it. Walking on sand sucks. It feels bad. It's like walking on a million little shards of glass. <laughs> yes, and I'd rather walk on stuff that's not sand. I think the beach is stupid. It's What's crowded. your favorite thing to it's walk hot. on? Pavement. <laughs> Regular ground. <laughs> Paved roads. <laughs> like we're yeah. at the we have the technology. We don't need to walk on sand anymore. So obviously Flansburg is, is evoking <laughs> he's evoking the romantic cliche of two people, two lovers walking in the sand. He's like, I don't want to do that and act like a man, which we kind of already talked about, right? Yeah. See, what I love about this song is the imagery. It really puts a, a painting in your head of a, a movie of this per and but it's also internal. It's like it's for me, it's the best of both worlds. Um and it, it's it honestly really does remind me of like a lot of stuff I've written where I'm just like I I write so much about all the bad relationships I've had still because it's like a good source, it's a never-ending source of, mm. of pain and inspiration. I get on the bus, ride past I stop, and though I'm late, I can't get off, I just can't bear. The next thing of him on the bus, clearly missing his the stop where he's going to meet her because mm -hmm. he can't bear to to be, say I love you or any lies yeah. that he's referring to. Maybe he fell asleep. Yeah, or he fell asleep on the bus. Or sometimes happens to the best of what's us. happened to me is you ring the bell to stop and the bus doesn't stop. And then you have to walk up to the driver and yell at him and be like, I was trying to get off the fucking bus. It's happened to me a lot. Did that ever happen to you? Well, don't curse. Well, I curse in my head, but I don't actually say. I, I usually say it more like, um, I'm sorry. Uh, sir. I'm sorry. Well, luckily, that's a thing of the past. This is how Jordan really talks <laughs> with other people. Because uh, we're not going to take buses anymore. That's the past. Past world is dead. So then the, the next, after the first chorus, which by the way, we were talking off mic, Linnell's harmonies, mm -hmm. amazing throughout this whole song. I did them horrible justice when I played this with my band. Well, why'd but, you do that? But I, well, because I'm not a great singer. Was it, do it better. Well, we we kept, <laughs> we changed the key of the song to be in my girlfriend's key, but not my key because they're different. So I was kind of, it was kind of hard. See, it... Though I, I will say I, I really did do the part really well for the next verse, which so I was bad at the eyes because it's hard to sustain a note like that, especially live. 
but the the whole next verse, I was like really proud of nailing the harmony where it's like, well, take back everything we said, you know, split up all Great. things and move ahead. Like there, he does this, it really, Linnell's harmony is really complex there and it actually took me a long time to learn. I'm glad you said that because I have this medal for you right here. Yes. <laughs> Finally, Forgot right? how you said the side off the bed. Yeah, it's it's like so beautiful, this yeah. harmony and it, it really adds a lot. And it's something that I, I wish I did more in my mixes where like, I don't think there's a lot of, if any new instruments being added there, but just the fact that there's a harmony being added makes the second makes that verse feel like really exciting and emotional. It raises the stakes. Forgot how you said to split your side off the bed. What does it mean? I, I actually find it kind of a strange they line. They shared a bed. Split your side off? Yeah, take it's your weird. side with you. I don't even want the side oh, of your so bed you, there. So you think it's kind of like a, it's almost like a, not a literal thing that someone can do. It's a leave the room and don't let the door hit you on the way out. <laughs> no, I actually really like that. So, so he's saying, so he uses the word split twice, which I think hammers that home. So yeah, he split up split, all the things and know. move ahead, including your side of the bed, Yes, which is really interesting. I like that a lot. You know, this is the first time I've ever understood that line. Well, again, you're welcome. I always thought it was a strange, I, I feel like I kind of intuitively got the idea that like mm. they're not sharing a bed anymore. But it, it's an interesting idea, like someone moving out and they also move out their side of the bed. <laughs> yeah, that's that's interesting. It's like kind of a humorous. I was thing, gonna say it's right? also very like kind of a Ricky and Lucy. Yeah, yeah, know? it is. To have a long callback to episode two. That's, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Man, I love. The, and then he's on his bike, riding. That's, I thought he took the bus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why well, take the bus if you have a bike? Well, what I love about the bike lyrics is more just the feeling they give. It's yeah. like. This song feels the wind rushing in your hair. Yeah, it, in your this, face. This Maybe song, that's why his eyes are narrowed. Yeah, this song feels like a lovelorn, a sad Brooklyn guy riding his bike through the neighborhood or taking yeah. the bus and feeling sad. And and again, this is like me, <laughs> like Queens. Yeah. This is my life. It's very cinematic. Yeah, ride through the world through the green light. Flansburg doesn't usually do this sort of thing. That's why this song is really special to me. He doesn't usually try to like tug at your heart and yeah. and feel feel something so personal and sad, you know. Poor Flans. Oh, this is something interesting. Um, I was also reading some interviews, and and one of them, this was in the there was a spin article that went through all their albums and interviewed them about them. I and, remember that. Yeah, for Apollo eighteen, the, the I read that. The interviewer said it's really weird that "Narrow Your Eyes" wasn't pushed as a single, and Linnell yeah. says it's another "What If." There are a lot hmm. of songs like that. Maybe if we got a producer for that album, it could have gone that way. Hmm. And then Flansburg says, "When will we get our shit together?" <laughs> so first of all, that ties into the stuff we said in the first episode about how Polyteen sounds. Mm -hmm. The production's a little different sounding. Maybe a little something's a little off about it. I still think uh, "My Evil Twin" should have been the big single. <laughs> I feel like the singles, but it's like. Yeah, I pound my obviously. Yeah, that's a yeah, it's a great song. The well, guitar is a good single because it's really interesting. Look, it's an embarrassment of riches. That's There's a true. lot of singles on this album. Yeah, and all of their albums. Yeah, I, call I, us. 
It's funny because <laughs> like with My Evil Twin, Now Your Eyes, they did it live a handful of times when they were touring Apollo 18 and then yeah, they yeah. just stopped for a long time and then it popped up. They brought it back, yeah. It, it always pops up really like as a surprise. Like there's one show I went to, it, you might have been there, I don't remember, but where they randomly cut to it and it was like, oh my God, Now Your Eyes, what the fuck? You can tell that they like the song and, and you can tell Flansburg like it means something to him. But maybe because it's so sincere, they don't feel comfortable doing it. I don't know. I don't know either. We know man. they're weird about their emotions, right? I relate. Yeah, I love in the chorus, there's like these low piano notes. They go like, do, do, do. Mm-hmm. Like kind of like a weird, it's very Beatlesy, honestly, that, that that part too. It's very like John Lennon-y to have these like kind of, John Lennon's piano playing was always kind of aggressive on the Beatles mm-hmm. stuff. And like to have these these like low notes there, which is on top of this like great bass line is like really interesting. I just like love the arrangement for the song. gonna say i i assume the accordion break also Linnell wrote yeah the well, melody that's a good segue to what ed says about now your eyes that's why i did it <laughs> yeah good totally that's why you're winking a hundred times yeah. during that let's see what well, ed, my eyes are on fire ed says what something that i think is kind of controversial about this song and the, the okay. bridge so it's racist let's hear what he has to say One thing is, I'm sure you noticed, I hope you noticed, that the accordion uh, in the solo plays like a, it's a small world. It's like kind of a variation oh, really? on it's a small world. The, it's a small world, after all. Hmm. But like the, it's a world of laughter, a world of tears. Da, da, da. Like it, I, I don't know if, I think it was intentional. Wow. You Did know, you notice I, that, Jordan? I, no, I never noticed that, but I totally hear what you're saying. <laughs> I totally yeah. noticed, Which is weird because they already referenced that song in, in Anna Ng. <laughs> so. It's oh weird. yeah, it's weird yeah. to return to that. I wonder if that's. Sometimes I wonder if these these melodic things are intentional because you know it does just happen that you you think of a melody and you don't realize that it's it's another melody. But sure, I totally hear hear what you're saying. That's very weird. Yeah. I don't know what what it would have to do with the the song because I, I really feel like they. If you listen to our episode about Anna Ng, it's about like we talk about that for like an hour. It's a small world. It's probably like in a major scale. Like it's a, it's a yes. world of love. And this, and this was sort of like minor, like a minor version of that, that melody. Mm-hmm. So again, it could, it could have been oh. now just being very smart and clever and yeah. doing that. But it was, but I always knew that that, I, when I, first time I heard it, I was like, hey, that's kind of, it's a small world. And maybe <laughs> it's intentional and, wow. you know, and then, and then there's a different variation on the last end part of yeah, it. There's yeah. also a variation on that. On the accordion. So choke on that, Jordan. Ed thinks that Linnell is doing a riff on It's a Small World After All. I remember now. Now, the first several notes are undeniably similar, but I don't know if this is intentional because to me it just fits the song so well. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's yeah, it's possible. The first few notes definitely line up. I don't know. I mean, this is something you and me 
talk about a lot too it's like there are just certain melodies yeah that kind of fit certain parts so yeah i'm gonna leave it to the listener to decide i i really don't know it seems what seems weird to me is that he'd reference that song twice because he already did in anna ing yeah so it seems strange but i also can't deny that it has a very similar uh, yeah. you know run at the beginning for sure um but speaking of that i i love the accordion solo yeah um it's interesting how it's recorded like i think he doubled it because it sounds like it's in both ears it's like doubled an octave i think Mm. I think the one on the right is Linnell doing it really high yeah. up on the accordion, and on the left, it's one low, which is still pretty high. I did hear two accordions, but I wasn't sure if one was the lower notes, the bass notes. The bass the notes? No, I think the. I don't know much about accordion. There's a big bass note part uh, coming up in a in another song, actually. Mysterious. <laughs> I also love the part. We we can't skip over the part right before the accordion mm. solo, like the awesome guitar stuff going on. Like I just I love how the song sounds. It's it's really like a incredibly well-written song because it has like two bridges yeah that part's almost like a western <laughs> yeah this twangy guitar yeah. a really big sound I, I, when, I, when we played it live i love doing that riff digger because i'm not really a riff guy but it was so simple that i could do it and then oh my god when it comes out of the chorus that like drum fill yeah and the like two of them going like i don't want it it's like something so like musically satisfying about that part it's so exciting and then we've got the second bridge, which is like a great, great moment in the song, which I think is really sums everything up. Now let's toast the sad cold fact, our love's never coming back, and we'll race to the bottom of a glass, so narrow your eyes, narrow your eyes. Yeah, toasting your relationship being over. <laughs> Well, I like that because, you know, I feel like ideally... Like at least it's a break, right? <laughs> ideally, it, it, mutual breakups is yeah. what would happen. But unfortunately, it mostly doesn't happen that way. But I've had these... I've had these like daydreams of like, oh, I wonder if I could ever get along with one of my exes that I'm just like, nah. I just never want to see them. I have a lot of them live in New York City still, and I, I like terrified of running into them. I have ran into them, and it's yeah. awful. It's like the worst feeling. But I love this dream idea of like, let's just... Let's just toast. It's over, and yeah. we had a, we had some laughs, and that's it. And but it's also that there's a lot of humor and, and dark humor in this line because the way he says our love's never coming back is like such a sad way to put it, but it's like done in this happy way, like yeah. a light casual way, which I love. It's like kind of understate understating the pain of it all. And then we'll race to the bottom of a glass. Flansburg has a lot of lyrics about, you know, Drinking. alcoholism yeah. and stuff. And that's just a great way of just like, let's just sort of like the first thing. Like, I don't want to think about your mind. Like, let's mm -hmm. just not think about what's what we're feeling. Kill and, some brain cells. And just move the hell on. Yeah. Speaking that, of moving the hell on, yeah. let's go into the next song, which is like 10 songs. Hall <laughs> of Heads. <laughs> song is an audio treat i feel for the mm. for the ears there's a lot of fun things going in and out of the stereo a lot of cool things in the arrangement it's one to pick apart and, and listen to all the different little things going yeah, on there's a lot in this song yeah there's a lot of fun stuff uh dave i i want your general opinion though what what do you 
What do you love about Hall of Heads? <laughs> I love how weird it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's definitely uh, atmospheric. <laughs> yeah, I do love the atmosphere of it. it, it I like that point. Yeah, the, the guitar is very, a lot of reverb. The drums have this kind of distant, weird feel to it. The bass line in that opening, you're hearing that, right? It goes like, you yeah. hear it? <laughs> Which sounds real to me. I don't know how you do that on a MIDI. There's also um, like Back a, then, especially. Sounds like a moan. Ooh. That note always stuck out to me as weird. Yeah, because it's a little, it's in a a great little dissonant and it's kind of uh, haunting. Right. Captures the atmosphere of the song really well. I mean, if you're going to do a song called Hall of Heads, I think this is uh, the sound you're going for, right? Yeah, I don't even know if we should get to the lyrics on top of this because there's such a long section before right. the lyrics. Well, that's another thing I like about the song. It's kind of a fake out. Yeah, yeah. You almost think it's an instrumental. Yeah. What's funny is it reminds me of like, if you ever listen to like re, not not even the oldies station, but like before the oldies, like not even the fifties, but like the th really old songs, like thirties, four twenties, yeah. it's like every song is like basically an instrumental, and then like after three minutes, someone comes in and goes like, "Cha cha, my name yeah. is blah 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 blah," and they sing like one verse, yeah. and then it's like three minutes of <laughs> instrumental again. That's like every old hit song. It's really weird. Let's bring it back. That's kind of what Hall of Heads is doing. It's just like a lot of instrumental, uh, this really big like surf guitar. That's, that's sort of how I would describe it. This big surf sound. There's like a drum roll that goes from like one ear to yes, the other, yeah. which is like really creepy. And it, it gives the feeling when your song is Walking called Hall. Hall of Heads. Yeah. yeah, it's like you're going from one place to the other. And even yeah. a, a typical reverb setting is called Hall. Like if you, yeah. you there's like room reverb, Hall reverb. So it's like this song is really like this song's really zeroing in on like the the content of the lyrics and making sure it yeah. sounds a certain way. They did capture the, yeah the feeling of walking down a hall somehow. A scary hall. Yeah. Not like a cool hall. It's crazy. I one other thing I was noticing about the song today. Tell me if you agree. Please tell me you agree. This one seems like a the production that would be found in like the first or second album. Hmm. That's it funny. I, I was like going to say that song. about the next song. <laughs> yeah yeah um true that why do you think that maybe um the second half of the song like the bass and drums sound a lot more sampled it's just like some kind of style about it seems See like it would be on, at home on the first album. it does feel like one of the more scary flans flansies yeah. that have are like 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 chess piece face or right. rabid child it, it does yes. feel at peace with those songs and you know and also yeah there is some like like the, the sax that comes in, like, wah, 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 yeah. wah. it sounds fake. It doesn't sound yeah. like a real sax because the notes don't feel real. That's enough. what I mean. It, it sounds like that kind of over-the-top attention-grabbing yeah. <laughs> sound from the first album. Now, a lot of the songs we've never, ever tried to play before. Yeah. And, this, you know, this record is 10 years old, so yeah. it's kind of an interesting challenge. Yeah. To, as and you know, as you were saying earlier, a lot of this stuff was never really intended to be performed live. What are the most challenging ones? But but the last few that we've learned are that a uh, song called "Which Describes How You're Feeling," and um, a song called "Hall of Heads," both of which don't really suggest the sound of a live band. Yeah, I mean they're kind of created in in the MIDI cave. I mean John and I were uh -huh. a duo for you know the first ten years of the band, and Apollo 18 is kind of the high water mark of our home sampling obsession. You know, we, mm. we basically we had uh, the Casio FZ1 sampler, which was the um, I think all the uh, D-Light records were created with that sampler, and, and yeah. it's a great it's a great unit to um, kind of you know you can pick up a you know one of the, your pots or pans and just kind of hit a drumstick on it and sample it very quickly, um, and so we were the whole album is filled with these just very kind of off the wall musical impulses that are you know 
uh, were very random at the at the time and are now preserved <laughs> and have to be memorized um, for, for presentation. But then we've also got kind of the flood, the, like the violin part reminds me like Istanbul yeah. a bit, and it is Mark Feldman again on violin. You know, it's almost like this band sounds like their albums. What? Yeah. <laughs> The snare sounds more natural yeah. than on the first albums. One thing about the part with the violin is in the the, the violin's mostly in the right ear, but in mm-hmm. the left ear is Linnell doing like a piano, but it sounds yeah. like an out-of-tune piano. Yes, yeah, It's like yeah. detuned, which is very effective. It works really well because um, it sounds like not just a piano. It's like a weird sound to it. This is a very like, I don't know, foreign country sounding part. It's like not, you know... It's it's it really like sort of like we said like this part sounds like you're in another land yes and it's like you're traveling through these like through a different place through a hall you know maybe you have to answer a riddle <laughs> yeah. to get to the next level mm-hmm. honestly it's like d- d- darkened corridors it's like someone go- passing through these places it's like oh what's in this door and then you've got the violin part and then like oh what's in this door and then it's like that wah, 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 wah. and it, it is and that part Scary. especially. <laughs> Really reminds me of like a nightmare kind of like funhouse thing, or it's yeah. like, oh, you're here. Like yeah. you imagine <laughs> Flansburg with like a top hat, yes. <laughs> like all a the time, big mustache, being like, come in. Um, so, what do you think the song is about? Because I have a, I have a theory. I might have talked to you about it in the past. Yeah, I either you told me or I just absorbed it from the world. <laughs> uh, is it about return to Oz? <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. No, I, in my opinion... Or was that a big fan theory that my, was wrong? In my opinion, a big fat N-O, yeah. as they might be giants say, no. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it does line up, but, you know. Yeah, I think this is a similar thing with Don Giovanni, right, where right. fans just kind of... It does line up on a, on a visual sense because let's let's talk about Return to Oz. Return to yeah, Oz is which a, I barely remember, but I have you seen aware, it? Yeah, as a kid, which yeah. explains a lot. So, <laughs> in my opinion, Return to Oz is best existing as a barely remembered childhood movie. You're probably right because that was what it was like for years for me, which is like did I was you rewatched I, it. Yeah. So, but I was just like for for years and years, I was like, did I dream this movie? <laughs> was there a sequel to Wizard of Oz that was like terrifying and dark yeah. with a lot of like ugly cinematography <laughs> and like a lot of despair? Ugly people. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of like um, hopelessness in it, and it's yeah. all about how Oz has turned to shit and like. <laughs> and there is a part um, where there's a hall with a bunch of human heads. Yeah. And I I don't know. Remember, they all start like screaming or something, or or maybe it's my memory thinking that. You will be rather attractive one day. Not at all beautiful, you understand, but you'll have a certain prettiness, different from my other heads. I believe I'll lock you in the tower for a few years till your head is ready, and then I'll take it. I believe you will not! It's a woman that chooses a different head to wear yes. every day or something. Yeah, and she has these creepy minions that are on like rollerblades or yeah, something. Yeah, the bladies. That's not what they're called. <laughs> yeah, might as well. 
Um, I did watch with it. Feruza Balk. That's right, Feruza Balk. And the the movie for anyone who hasn't seen Return to Oz, which is probably a large chunk of the audience, probably not this audience. They um, the movie begins with Dorothy, beloved Dorothy, yeah. getting shock treatment because of her insane Oz fantasy that she told everyone about. Don't remember that. So it's as dark a sequel to a <laughs> beloved children's is this a Terry story. Terry Gilliam movie? <laughs> no, but it is kind of Terry Gilliam-y, actually. Um, except without like the, I, I don't know, the beautiful. The brilliance. Yeah, exactly. Return to Oz is like a very disturbing, dark sequel. Um, and so a lot of people think Hall of Heads is about this. I don't, because as no. I said last episode, I don't really think they do that thing where mm -hmm. it's like, this is about a movie I saw. Like, I just don't, was, I mean, obviously they've done like long, long trailer. But, and, yeah. <laughs> they reference pop culture all the time. They reference it, but I don't think they do this thing where it's like, this song is this. This one really lines up though. Yeah. Well, let's listen to this. Well, hold on a second before you get to that. So were you the one that told me that? I'm sure I didn't think of it on my own. How did I, how I, do I know this? I might Jordan? have told you it in a skeptical sense because gotcha. I've never thought it was about Return to okay. Oz. Um, but it, it is a pretty sense. popular thing. Let, let's hear the, Flansburg says one thing about the song, and I do have a, uh, an outlandish theory about it that um, I'm excited to talk about. This next song now features the guitar synthesizer, which, which uh, usually is just like a horrendously bogus instrument. <laughs> We're not making any claims here tonight. But check it out, man. You got you won't believe it. It sounds just like the record. Now here's the here's the song. The song's called Hall of Heads. I said the song is called Hall of Heads. The song's called Hall of Heads. It's about a place that's in the shape of a hall that's filled with human heads. And yes. It's a very scary song. <laughs> mm. So I, I thought that clip's interesting because Flansburg, like the audience doesn't react to mm. him saying that they're about to play Hall of Heads, which if I were there, which I wasn't, I would have freaked out. But then he's like, come on, every, it's like, please clap. <laughs> For all but he didn't discount that it was Return to Oz. He said that it's, you know, yeah, I also think he's kind of joking. So this is the theory. Do you want to know the theory? Oh, more than the world. Okay, so this this originated yet again with Chris Stengel's old news group post, which mm -hmm. he actually told me the other day doesn't, he doesn't remember. Is Chris Stengel you? He says that it's about a piggy bank. Okay. And that the song, the heads are coins. I remember him saying this on the news group. And I, that really interested me. And I, I, it, that's what I go by for this song. So let's t look at the lyrics because I think this is a really funny, interesting idea. All right. And first of all, we know that they're really interested in presidential heads. Sure. So let's put that on the table first. Pre-Futurama. Yeah, they love the things about the heads. So here in the Hall of Heads, you look at, this is very like interpretive, but like you, <laughs> that's what we do here. You look through the keyhole. Mm -hmm. So I'm like the, the slot on a, on a piggy bank or something, right? Or a bank, some sort of a, or it could be about a coin collecting display. Let's say <laughs> that too. Uh, Let's say that. <laughs> roll out that special head, like rolling a, a coin, blah, blah, blah. This is our favorite one is coin collecting. But wait, this is what does it for me. Hide underneath the porch, uh -huh. hide down behind the furnace. Gotcha. So a person can't hide behind a furnace because mm -hmm. it's like, right? Can you? I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not to... So I don't think all furnaces are like flush against a wall from my knowledge of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> so to me, hide underneath the porch and hide down behind the furnace is very evocative of like where coins get lost. And it's like, 
before they get to the piggy bank or if they're trying to escape the piggy bank. Yeah. So it's like the idea that <laughs> Dave does not, he's not into this theory at all. I didn't say anything. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> Dave's narrowing his eyes at me. I don't think it's any more valid than the Return to Oz thing. Really? Underneath the porch? I feel like he's, he, I think he's specifically naming things where it's very hard for a person to get into mm-hmm. because he's he's hinting at the coin-like nature of the protagonist yeah. in the song, which is that it's a bunch of presidential heads who are like trapped in a, it's like kind of this mundane thing and making it scary, which I yeah. think is is part of the joke of the song, hmm. right? I mean, I could honestly see him looking at a piggy bank and this song flashing in his head, like, oh, it must be like a nightmare to be the, the coins yeah. in there. You're trapped forever. You can't escape, you yeah. know? It's interesting. Yeah. Your feet won't help you run because they don't have feet. They're, uh-huh. they're disembodied heads. Well, I guess, I mean, that works for both interpretations, but you know what I mean. What if it's about heads of lettuce? <laughs> I see where you're going. <laughs> That's basically it. I mean, I don't, I don't know what else to say about the song. Oh, yeah, we've got, um, we can talk more about the music. Yes. Because I guess this is a dead end. No, I'm no, it's worried. not. I, look, I, I like it. It's good. It's a good theory. I really like it. Chris Stangle was very uh, positive about it on his post, but I, I wonder if he still stands by it. You said he didn't even remember it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Maybe he blocked it out. want to talk a little bit more about the music and okay. then we will move on but um <laughs> in shame <laughs> i love in the i'm not ashamed i really like that theory okay hide behind the furnace you don't drop coins behind like a radiator you never like clean your apartment and there's like random pennies and in co- the couch nickels yeah maybe in the couch that's to me that's like what that line is is basically like hide underneath the couch would be like you know similar i feel like a furnace is like a scarier place where like a person it, it does would evoke nightmare on elm street yeah which i don't like to do because then i'll have scary dreams and even under a porch like you know like in houses there's like that space under yeah. the house that you can like a it's like a crawl space yeah i just for me flansburg is like a very economical lyricist mm-hmm. and he's only he's only saying things that are like important to the song mm-hmm. and the, what what it means and i feel like he, yeah he, I, I think he picked those two things to be little clues mm-hmm. obviously this could be wrong i mean this could be one of those way off interpretations <laughs> but i always thought it was really interesting and it, it to I me it fit their motifs that they have throughout their career it definitely fits the the president thing mm-hmm. presidential heads yeah and especially because they had like president heads on their website yeah, that's right um so I'm sure that floats around in their brains a lot. Mm-hmm. We've also got extra vocalists on this song. Julie yeah, which, Cohen. Um, is kind of buried a little bit in the mix. I didn't know there was a, a woman singing yeah. on this song um, until researching this episode. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, unlike Laura Cantrell, where it's like the highlight of the song, yeah, she's just sort of, it's kind of a vampy, cor- you know, backing vocal to make yeah. it extra kind of, I don't know, like scary sounding, yeah. you know? Um, I tried finding out who she is. I couldn't find anything about her. Um, Ed didn't seem to remember her, you know, <laughs> my, uh, anything, in, you know, crazy happening. Right. I didn't think it was a, a female vocalist. I always thought it was just Flansburg singing backup on himself yeah, or Linnell. Too. I thought they were just going like, 
doing it doesn't even sound like too high a, a part so it might be like a, a woman with like a lower voice or something i don't know it yeah. doesn't it never sounded like a different person to me And I love the piano throughout like the song. Like it's like a it's like one note in mm-hmm. one ear and then one single note like lower in the other ear. Kind of like the now your eyes thing actually right. we just talked about. It's really interesting arrangement. You just reminded me also going back to um this could be a song on one of their first albums. The, those like uh I don't even know what you call them, orchestra stings. Yeah. Orchestra dun, stabs. Dun, they're dun. Called. Yeah. Very fake sounding, very like sample sounding. Yeah, my old keyboard that I used to have, my Casio had a thing called orchestral stabs and it would be just oh, sounding. Is that literally what it is called? It was called Orc Hits was like yeah. what it said on the display. But yeah, it would it would sound exactly like that. That dun, dun, yeah. the super fake weird sound of it. But it like fits so well in this song. Yeah. The last thing about this song is uh, we're going to talk to Ed about it. And he has a crazy cool fact about it. A little revelation that I'm very excited for you to hear. Let's go to Ed. Next song is Hall of Heads, which is like a crazy production of a lot of different things going on. So... I am actually very interested to know what was what was there already, what got got sure. added. It, did that song kind of change as it, as they recorded it because it's so ambitious? Seems like a few different songs. Okay, well, I definitely I definitely remember now. I made a note about this. This was actually one of the first batches of songs, also. Mm. So it was, it was "Statue Got Me High," "Spider," and this one was one of them. This was also because <laughs> again, it was also really weird because there's this whole opening section where there's no vocals, yeah. just some strange thing lopping around and, <laughs> and then it goes into this kind of upbeat part mm-hmm. and so, so, the, so until you hear the vocals and you hear some of the overdubs it's just very much like what is going on here are they just trying to screw with people because Flood was so commercial and poppy <laughs> and I felt like that, that first session I was very much like I mean, until I heard Statue Got Me High mm-hmm. it definitely seemed like like you know they were trying to do something really weird and experimental yeah and this one because it has that kind of intro then there's like two intros there's two intros both very strange <laughs> yeah before right. it goes into the actual song part of it and i i think there was you know, again it was bass and drums and I, again until they started adding the saxes and the vocals it was not very clear mm-hmm. what they were doing there the piano i think the piano was sequenced too but it could have been real piano there's the stabs also sequenced was bah, bah, yeah orchestral bah, bah, stabs right that, they had the option to get the real real trumpet player on because they had one mm-hmm. on the other song but also the, I, think, I think the Hammond was the real Hammond okay there was one thing I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you an easter egg this is an easter egg which <laughs> you may or may not have heard sure but about 2 minutes and 27 seconds after that whole after that twang guitar part then it goes bop 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 yeah and, and you hear Flans go Alan like what? whispering what? You, have, you have to listen to it I, I didn't even hear it until like the second or third time I listened to it so basically, Flange was doing his vocals, and he thought it'd be funny if he, if he gave a shout-out to Alan Winstonley, who put, co-produced the first record, <laughs> okay. the, wow. the last record. So he literally, while doing his vocals, he basically just like, was he just doing his vocals, and got to that instrument part, and he goes, Alan. Interesting. Um, that's an exclusive.
I, like, I didn't think it would be make it to the end. But yeah, it's, it's you, in you there. Hear you hear him there. go, wow, Alan. Okay. And, and, and most people would probably would not know what he was saying or why he was saying it. Sure. It was just, just literally just him clowning around, like doing his, while his vocal tray cake and just huh. threw that in there as a kind of like a thing. And that just ended up being in the mix. <laughs> so. oh, I've got to hear it. Okay. <laughs> that, is, that is an Easter egg. Yeah, that's fantastic. I've never heard that. It's, it's funny. Some, some reason I thought they mixed this record, but I know that's not true. So, um, in the Well, in the credits, Alan Winston Lee mixed... It says, mixed by Alan Winston Lee, who flew over from England, except fingertips. Mixed by Pat oh. Dillett and Paul Angeli. So that makes sense. So if he mixed it, then yes, that, that, that was, was a put little in there surprise a for Alan to that, hear. That, yeah, that was, that was <laughs> put in there deliberately because they knew he was going to mix it, and they put that in as a joke wow. for him. <laughs> just, like the, just like the Edward Douglas Ford thing. It's the That's same great. thing. They, you know, they, 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 when they do these jokes, they, it's not always like a... You know, I mean, it was really funny when he did it in, when we were recording it, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was literally just done as a as a shout out to the mixer. Interesting. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he left it in. How cool is that? So there, there have been some fans who noticed that there's like a weird noise there. Yeah. I always thought that was like a crash symbol or like a splash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, now we know, everyone, he's saying Alan because that was because Alan Winston Lee, the producer, the mixer rather, he wasn't there for the recording like a producer normally is. He was just he just got to the, all the tracks afterwards and mixed it. So mm-hmm. what would happen is he'd be playing, he'd be checking out what every track is, and he'd probably see a waveform or something in mm-hmm. that area, and then it, he'd be like, "Oh shit, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's scary." And also, it's funny because it fits the idea of the song, the scary thing that's beckoning you, like right. saying you can't run away. It's perfect. Real quick. Here's a pitch for you. Okay. You think this is a metaphor for uh, someone who has multiple personality disorder? Yeah, like my evil twin part two yeah. and three and four and five. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like that it's a lot. It's like, oh, I'm going to pick this head today. I think that's a great idea. All right. That's good. That's all I wanted to say. Dave, that might be better than the thing I said. <laughs> no, no. It's good. It's all good. <laughs> but yeah, I think Hall of Heads, I mean... It's it's not a song that's I, I feel like it's not like a highly rated song for yeah. they might be giants but I think it's it definitely see this is my thing about Hall of Heads really is like I feel like it the intention was for it to steal the show on Apollo 18 mm-hmm. but it doesn't quite because of the guitar and spider and a few other big ones so I feel like it's it has a strange there's something strange about it being on Apollo 18 you know what I like about this song yeah there's a song only they might be giants could write I agree. And that makes it really special. That's true. Yeah, it it is a great song. It's fun. Um, I'm Love never it. I'm never sad when it comes on, <laughs> uh, but I'm always kind of surprised by it. Like, oh yeah, Hall of Heads <laughs> is on this album. I like how scared it makes me feel. <laughs> That is once again all we have time for. We managed to just say so much about so little. <laughs> so little. <laughs> this has been Don't Let's Start a Podcast about They Might Be Giants. I want to thank Ed for yes. giving thank us you, amazing insight into some of these songs. I want to thank Laura Cantrell. Holy just shit. Just a little preview of what's to come. Yeah, we're going to release this whole interview. It's a great discussion about songwriting and music and gen- music genres. And um, it's one of my yeah. favorite interviews we've done. And she was, she's so awesome. If you want to email us at don'tletstartpodcast at gmail.com. We well, won't stop you. No one stops. <laughs> what I was going to say, no oh, one's stopping sorry. you. Uh, Twitter, don't let's pod. There's lots of stuff on Twitter. I'm always uh, saying stuff and posting stuff and posting stuff related to the episodes. 
You can support the show at anchor.fm slash don't let's start. That always means a huge deal to yes. us. And thanks so much to everybody that supports the show already. Yeah. We really, really appreciate it. It's kind of mind blowing. I, I can't believe it. <laughs> Who would support me? And so now we bid you adieu. <laughs> yes. Stay tuned for. No good. All right. More. <laughs> stay tuned for more Apollo 18 episodes i'm coming up really i i know i say this every time but i'm extra really excited about the next batch of songs because mm. i have so many thoughts over and a couple the, surprises and dave i i just have so much more to say uh, about uh, apollo 18 hush, i just can't hush my darling be still my darling we'll take back everything we said